Hi, this is Paul Hughes from Blog of Holding, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris and Peter are joined by Steve Wick, CEO of One Bookshelf and Drive Through RPG, to talk about the business of digital RPG sales. In the news, Dungeons and Dragons has its seventh straight year of growth. Benedict Cumberbatch reads a Dritz Duarden lullaby, a possible plot leak for the Dungeons and Dragons movie that may or may not be accurate, new critical role miniatures, and more. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. The Imperial Opera House is this week's sponsor. Get yourself down there and listen to people warble and screech their way through obscure foreign languages, achieving notes never intended for human consumption. You are guaranteed not to understand a thing, but they do sell nice ice creams at the interval. Wait, what? They don't sell ice creams? What sort of outfit are they running there? All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is Peter Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ, I am completely, ecstatically excited to be here. Would you like to guess who our guest is this week, Peter? Well, that is why I'm excited and ecstatic to be here. Uh, it is the person who's responsible for drive-through RPG. Yes, ah! yeah. So Steve Wick, who um, people may know from White Wolf many years ago. I think we're, like, we're talking over two decades now. I think you were involved with White Wolf, was it, Steve? <laughs> That's and then, right. Yep. Then for the last two decades, uh, drive-through RPG. So how how are you, Steve? Welcome. I'm Clearly. I'm great. I'm. Uh, it's awfully <laughs> early here, but I'm That's- feeling very cheerful. And I've got Excellent. my engine of coffee, my, my fueled <laughs> engine. So, you know, doing so a little subliminal mo- placement there for you, Russ, too. We thank you for getting up this time in the morning. Yeah, let's, no let's, let's, let's do some RPG news, shall we? Yeah, brilliant plan. We should. Let's, let's start with some really awesome RPG news. Because um, uh. you remember we had um, Eugenio Vargas from Into the Motherlands on the show last November, oh. I want to say? Yeah, that sounds Six right. Six months ago, round about. Yeah. And he was, oh, their Kickstarter got going. Yeah. Well, that's the oh, thing. He, nice. he was talking to us about it all that time ago. Yes. But it's, but this week, the Kickstarter mm-hmm. has actually launched. <laughs> Doing quite well, too, isn't it? Ooh. Yeah, yeah. It shot past 100k in the first day, I think. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Over 150, <laughs> if I recall correctly. But, yeah, it's a lot of money. And yeah. Bloody well played, yeah. yeah. It looks gorgeous as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks fantastic. Yes. Yeah, looks I, I backed exciting. it first day. I couldn't I couldn't not back that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course not. <laughs> like, this podcast just costs you so much money. It, it has. I mean. it's one, it, is, it is, unfortunately, one of the dangers of this podcast. It's every week. <laughs> uh, it's it's Ooh, some Kickstarter awesome. or something. Oh. But anyway, um, yeah, it looks yeah. gorgeous. So just um, for the people who... I'm unfamiliar with it. It's basically, if you take uh, uh, a thousand years before Europeans um, yeah, yeah. Tra- travel to travel to the new uh, world. Musa M- M- Mansa, like the yeah. king that single-handedly broke the economy of the Mediterranean by yeah. like, gold, here, you have some gold, you got some gold. And you're there, <laughs> here, bigger, have some gold. Yeah. And it's so, like, well, gold is now worthless. Yeah. Because they just bought so much of it. King so of Marley, yeah. explorers traveling to the new world a thousand mm. years before, mm. before Europeans. But yeah. on the way there... They don't yes. make it to the New World because they get transported mm. to a different yeah. planet. And then this yeah. entire planet is 
um, developed in a civilization, sort of an African uh, a, a civilization with a sort of African ancestry develops yeah. on this planet, and then the whole yeah. the whole game is set there. So it's like a yeah. a, a, a sci fi futuristic um, African centered setting. Yes, it yeah. looks awesome. It looks yeah. awesome. It does look wow. awesome. So it's on Kickstarter now. You can back it right now. I have done fifty mm-hmm. fifty dollars, I think, for the hardcover. I backed. Mm-hmm. Or you can nice. get twenty five dollars for the soft uh, for the um, what do we call it? What are those things you sell, Steve? Those um, electronic things. Uh, yeah, PDFs. PDFs. <laughs> <laughs> twenty five for the PDF. I thought the uh, the game. Yeah. I mean, I'm only looking at uh, what's available from the Kickstarter, but it looks mm-hmm. like they have some pretty novel takes on. Some, I mean, you get your science fiction experience, but they have some pretty novel mm-hmm. takes on things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a class, I think they call it a profession, called the Spine Ripper. Yeah. Which, uh, sound, which sounds kind of fun. And then they've got bio priests and, yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that was the healer, I am, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. But that, no, that, yeah, definitely back yeah. for me, I've got it. So um, let's, let's jump into some D&D. So D&D, mm. I think it's probably going to take up most of the news this week. <laughs> so uh, first of all, they um, they sent out a press release earlier in the week. Uh, which they sent out a similar one last last year about all the sort of demographics and sales over the last year with all these gorgeous, pretty graphs and um, pie charts and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, they confirmed that um, 2020, uh, no, 20, yeah, 2020 was the yeah. best year ever. I mean, they say that every year. They get that every year. They they have the best year ever. I, just I find it's a very constantly. controversial statement that 2020 was the best year ever. I mean, oh, like, what did you say? Oh, right, specifically, best year ever for D&D. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yes. Let's qualify that. 2020 was both the worst year ever and the best year ever. Quote for D&D sounds. All right, carry on. Yeah, yeah. So, but you know, that was that was expected. But some of the demographics are really interesting. Mm-hmm. So the over forties are now only I think it's only about thirteen percent of the um of the, of, of, like uh, or was it forty five and over is thirteen uh, percent of the entire player base and the player base is like fifty million people now worldwide. Yes. It's enormous. It's so a lot of people. I mean that's a, that's a country. That's a it, small it's country, a, isn't it? It's fifty million people that we know about. For certain, pretty much. Well, I, I know all of those fifty million people personally, obviously, but there oh, might be okay. some others that I, that I don't know. Yeah, I kind of wish I could go back to my nineteen ninety six self, where everybody in the industry was fretting about computer games coming in and the tabletop yeah. going away, and and it'd end up being just a bunch of old people at the retirement homes playing their <laughs> their D and D game, and that was it. And and oh, here everything's that's inverted. Life so it just that's it just life goes to show you just cannot predict this stuff. No, no. Because I that, think, like, these massive game-changing things just happen, don't they? Mm-hmm. And, like, 5th edition was... I mean, we talked about this so many times on the podcast before. We're just repeating ourselves. But 5th edition was, you know, perfectly designed for the time. Um, streaming became big at exactly the right time, um, you know, which meant that the um, the player base started to get younger and younger, and new new players mm. were coming into the hobby in droves. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's also the, just the resilience of the hobby. I mean, as an art form, it's just, mm. I mean, we love it for a reason, and there's no reason to think that the new generations don't love it as well for the same reason. It definitely, definitely seems to be the case. People like telling stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. People like telling stories, and this is a great way to facilitate getting together with friends and telling stories. Yeah. And uh, stories where you get to be the heroes, and quite frankly... Uh, that is a really cool way to go about it. Wait a second, um, let me call up those actual graphs mm-hmm. in the pie charts, actually, because there was some more information oh. than that. That wasn't that oh. wasn't all of it. Where are we? 
Well, pie charts and graphs obviously are the best podcast media. I can read them out aloud. <laughs> Ooh, look how round it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, Ray Winninger, who's um, the executive producer for mm-hmm. D&D over at Wizards, yes. um, there's this quote from him. It starts off with this quote from him, and it says, uh, well, even though they don't have the exact numbers from um, like the TSI years, Mm-hmm. Um, they can safely say D&D is more popular now than it has ever been in the whole sort of 50 years it's been around. 47 years, whatever, 50 years. Nice. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, yeah, so 47 yep. years. Um, it's been growing year on year glo- globally for the seventh consecutive year in a row now. Yeah. Which is amazing. I mean, that's got to stop Defies the, the usual edition cycle that yeah. people are kind of used to in the RPG mm. hobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be awesome if it just kept going and then, right. you know, tabletop RPGs just became like as popular as video games. That would be amazing. I'd be okay with that. Possible. Yeah, I'd be fine I, with I, that too. I, I'd be very interested in that. It's, uh, I think the interesting thing is going to be are tabletop games going to break into VR and augmented reality? Uh, I can see augmented reality definitely happening. VR, maybe not so much. That's Mm. more of just a video game then at that point, isn't it? But uh, augmented Mm. reality for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's some of that out there now already. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and don't forget you've got stuff like uh, the Barsoom Project and uh, Dream Park by Larry Niven and uh, I think uh, David Flynn, which Mm. essentially is live action role playing, but using a very tabletop metaphor, but using virtual reality and enhanced uh, augmented reality. And that yeah. was going like what nineteen eighties, so yeah. So yeah. there's a lot yeah. of possibilities out there. So I'm I'm looking at the uh, demographics here. So let's start with sixty percent male, okay, forty percent female, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, under one percent other or non-binary. But mm-hmm. uh, the fact that they're even counting that is definitely a, a you know an important thing that is actually there on the graph. Right. Progress. And uh, I imagine some of that, that, that will probably grow because some people don't like to answer those sort of things on surveys, do they, I think? Yeah, it's like a lot of people don't think it's any other company's business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Nah. yeah. so that, that, might, that might be a figure that grows over time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then looking at the ages, so yeah, mm-hmm. 40%, 13, uh, 40 plus 13%. Mm-hmm. So that's us. <laughs> we're in the, we're in the 13%. Let's have a meet. I'm 25. That's, uh, that's you two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah. 13%. <laughs> um, so the biggest group is uh, 20 to 24 with okay. 24%. That's, that's a pretty narrow age people. range then, 20 to 24. Yeah. Well, it's like all of these, these are all like four year age ranges up okay. until you get to 40 and then 40 mm-hmm. is just like a 50 year age range. Yeah. <laughs> well, from a demographic analysis, I suppose uh, someone who's 20 is um, much different than someone who's, um, you know, 16 and in high school. Yeah. Out of high yeah. School. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And they don't go below 15, but I assume there's kind of legal reasons for that. Probably. You can't really yeah. sort of. Uh, Seven-year-old answering the question. I would have thought, yeah, yeah. Uh, or maybe they just don't fill in the surveys. Who knows? Well, there's that too, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but yeah, so so what this basically shows is the hobby is growing. It's growing mm-hmm. with young people. It's growing. Yeah. It's not just sort of middle-aged men. Well, it hasn't been for a long time right. anymore. Yes, thank you. Yeah, and the stats, the stats yeah. are really, really reflecting that. Yeah. Like, I, I got nothing against middle-aged men. Some of my best friends are middle-aged men. Well, you are oh. ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it's nice all... to see some fresh faces. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, anecdotally, yeah. as, as I yeah. talk to a lot of people in the business and industry of role-playing games, there's just a lot more people who have 
started gaming with fifth edition mm. experience they've ever had with it. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's incredibly exciting. I mean, people like uh, the team behind Into the Motherlands are just going to bring fresh ideas and experiences that are completely beyond what I know. And that's really exciting for me. It's like literally unknown territory. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know what's going, but I, I'm excited to see it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I just like the idea of like the hobby getting big enough and diverse enough that there's so much of this stuff that you can dive into that's completely outside your own personal sort of um, living experience. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. And, and I just think that's like, that's definitely a sign of a healthy hobby, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, worlds of imagination. I think somebody said a couple of years ago that due to J.R.R. Tolkien, we have generic elves. And if you think about it, that's kind of mind-blowing. It's like, what, an elf, a fantasy creation, and we now have ones which are generic mm. because everyone knows exactly what an elf is because it's yeah, just yeah. become so embedded in the culture. So finding finding things which... There, there are new troops which in 10 years' time we will take for granted and which have not yet been thought of. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is exciting for me. What can I say? Yeah. 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 Hey, so have mm-hmm. you guys seen this drizzed short animated video narrated by Benedict Cumberbatch? I have. Yes. I, yesterday. I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was quite well done. It was, it was quite. Have you seen it, Peter? No, no. This this is this is brand new sentence territory for oh, really? me. Oh, okay. I thought I animated video with just the words and narrated by Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes, so it dropped. Okay, I'm it, here for it. Let's it, go. Yes, was it yesterday? Yeah. It dropped or the day before? Yesterday, I think it was. Right? Just yesterday, yeah. Yeah. So it's about five minutes long, and um, yes. it's written by um, R. A. Salvatore. Yes. Whose uh, online store has the best um, URL ever? Salva store. It's amazing. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, it's, it's written by him. And basically, it's kind of like a lullaby slash poem being narrated by Benedict Cumberbatch, where you get these animated images of Drizzt as a baby and of oh, um, um, Menzo Branson, which apparently isn't. I, I, I saw this interview with. Um, with um, Salvatore, and that's not how you pronounce Menzo Branson. That's how I said it all my life, but apparently that's not yeah. it. Yeah, I can't okay. remember what he said now. But um, images of that and um, Spider Queen and the Drow, and then images of um, Drizzt as he comes to the surface in Icewind Dale, and images of his companions, you know, um, um, Bruno and um, I've forgotten their names now. Wolfgar. And uh, uh, the, cat, the cat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <yeah>. um, <laughs> oh, Guinalva or something like that. It's go- it is gorgeous, though. It is- it's, it's gorgeous. And, of course, Benedict does oh. a phenomenal job. And Ooh. and our, Bob R.A. wrote the thing himself. So yeah. it's really well done. I kind of wonder, nice. like, Benedict Cumberbatch, like, his voice is amazing in it. Yes. When he was given that script, right. like, his agent probably approached him and said, well, we, you know, someone wants you to read this five-minute poem. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he first, I wonder if he had any idea what it was he was reading. I mean, it might be a big D&D fan, for what I know. But well, exactly. It, it could well be. Yeah. 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 Probably. Well, I guess. So, I, so I have a theory. So you know there's that D&D TV show they've been teasing? They haven't been teasing. It's just like little bits of information have been yeah. sort of leaking yeah, yeah. out about it. But yeah. nobody really knows that much about it yet. No. But I, I sort of, like, I've been putting, gathering together all the information that I could find about this TV show. And I think it's going to be about Drizzt. I don't know this. Honestly, mm-hmm. this is, I have no inside information. This is completely, completely yeah. my theory based on, based on a bunch of information that I kind Good of. Old fashioned yeah. detective yeah, work. Yeah. So I'm going yeah. to run through what. Right. And then you can tell me at the end whether it, it sounds right, whether, whether the All evidence right. is compelling. So 
So the writer, uh, Derek Kolstad, who uh, wrote John Wick. Okay. So if it is about Drizzt, I feel... Feel bad for the cat. <laughs> it opens, it opens, and someone kills Driss Panther. <laughs> and then the whole, the whole thing is just this revenge story. <laughs> Go on, on with it. Anyway, anyway, uh, uh, it's going to be six to ten serialized episodes. Yeah, uh, it's a work in progress. It's as yet untitled. So all this right. came from an interview ages ago on Collider with yes. uh, Derek Kolstad. Um, yeah. So Wizards has just launched a Summer of Drizzt PR campaign where, you know, they're talking about toys and animated shorts and Magic the Gathering cards and Funko Pops and novels and statues. So there's a crap load of Drizzt stuff coming out this summer. Yes. Just tons and tons of it. The press release that came Mm -hmm. with the uh, animated short, Mm -hmm. I'm going to read a quote from it. It says, a live action TV show is in development with E1 Entertainment... And also, although not focused on Drizzt, a movie set in the Forgotten Realm starring blah, blah, blah. So they clearly stated that the movie isn't focused on Drizzt. Mm -hmm. But the TV show, why did they even mention Mm -hmm. that in that context? I like the way Russ got all this information as put up a pinboard for us to see. Yes. Um, yeah. well, you're looking very excited. I've got all these pictures and these bits of string and everything. Yeah. yeah. Psychotic detective billboard. And, uh, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> there might be a hole in the theory, though, because who would then star as Dritz? Well, that, I don't know, because it's live action. It's not animated. So, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, they could find somebody. Somebody could star oh, as Dritz. But yeah. the cast that's been announced, I don't think any of them. Oh, that's the movie, yeah. though. That's the movie. Oh, that's right. what What am I thinking? Yeah. I'm mixing it up. Yeah. 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 So, so, I don't know. Well, there's, um, more, there's more compelling evidence. So ComicBook.com asks. Yes asked Wizards of the Coast directly. Yes. And, and their reply was, the upcoming D&D movie is not focused on Drizzt, but there is a TV show in development that might be. Oh, that's oh, really, well, that's that's really compelling. That is compelling. Uh, uh, I'm listening. And, and then finally, we already know that the TV show was confirmed by the writer to be set in the Underdark. Oh. He, he confirmed okay. that last year. You should probably have led off with that. Well, that, would, <laughs> that, that, would, that would have helped Well, I was like leaving the most compelling evidence till last so we could build up uh, to it. You buried the lead oh, okay. a little there. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, that would be a, I mean uh, that would be a very compelling um, <laughs> thing to adapt to the screen. I think so, those, yeah. Those yeah. first books, so, yeah. Because they've also what, said... Like the Crystal Shard. There, that would be... Quite kind of amazing. Well, I'm thinking mainly, maybe if it's set in the Underdark, it's mainly going to be like the the origin story. The, the, the I would think so. The, the trilogy of books before that. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm going um, to guess. Yeah, I suppose it would. So Drizzt growing up in uh, in the Drow society. Right. Okay, maybe that could work um, because I know that the latest season one ends with him. Yeah, pre- yeah, yeah. Like all the Adventurers League stuff that's been around the. Uh, Realm of the Frost Maiden has been very focused on the Crystal Tower. Mm. It's like it's like a repeated plot point that I have been hammered with every time right, I've opened right. the world modules. Like, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. Crystal Tower. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so, yeah, interesting. Yeah. So, what do you reckon? Yeah. Is it Drizzt? Based on that yeah. information, would you bet? Yeah. Would you bet? Gotta be. Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'd definitely put a turn on. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I would, I would, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure enough that I would actually bet on that now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Okay. So, so then I'm going to be interested to see cast announcement. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how far along that is. Right. Because they're doing their big mm-hmm. summer of Drizzt right now. 
Right. And there's definitely no way that that TV show is going to launch this year. No. Hmm. So but they might do some announcements. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Mm. Huh? Well, we shall have to wait. Well, there'll probably be like a teaser for the trailer for the announcement. Mm. Yeah. You got you got to think about these things. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, going on to the D and D movie, which we mentioned mm-hmm. a little bit. So um, there's someone on um, on Twitter, um, someone called um, the at the Pipass Zero, catchy name. Um, <laughs> um, did a, a a search on the US copyright website. Oh yeah, that's yeah. And searched for Paramount Pictures. And copyrights that they've been registering, and they're, they're, they're the people behind the um, behind yeah, the yeah, yeah. movie, and mm-hmm. discovered what appears to be a synopsis Ooh. for the D and D movie. Ooh. But then Screen Rant reported on the story, and has then since posted that Screen Rant has confirmed that the synopsis is not accurate. But I'm going to read out the synopsis anyway, right? Yeah. So you know what it was. But it, it, this is but, what it isn't. Well, Screen okay. Rant hasn't said how they know it's not accurate. Yeah. yeah. All they, they've literally just said they've confirmed that the movie synopsis is not accurate, but they haven't said who they asked, where they got that mm. from, or I don't know. So mm-hmm. I'll, read, I'll read it out anyway, and then. You... Okay, okay. So we we know it's got Chris Pine in it, and who else has it got? Michelle Rodriguez. Justice yeah. Smith, Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hugh Grant is the bad guy. Um, ah, yes. Reggae Jean Page from. Um, Bridgerton. Bridgerton. Yeah, yeah. And and more people. So this mm-hmm. is this is the apparent. Uh, synopsis. An ex-Harper turned thief escapes from prison with his partner, a female barbarian, and reunites with a no-talent wizard and a druid new to their team in an effort to rob the cheating con man who stole all their loot from the... This is all one sentence, by the way. From the heist (laughs) that landed them behind bars and used it to install himself as the Lord of Neverwinter. Only the traitor is allied with a powerful red wizard who has something far more sinister in store. So it's a heist. It's a heist movie. A D&D yeah. heist movie. Yeah. I, I mean, i got to say, I, I, I'm i sort of open for this movie. Like, you know, if they I'm want to make that movie. Heist movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 it's quite, quite a compelling thing. It's like, you know, getting the old, uh, what's it, the uh, Forgotten Realm Secret Services involved. Um, uh, we're throwing a heist. Uh, you've got a barbarian. And let's face it, like a, a, a movie which involves like some sneaky and a barbarian yeah. is just going to is is going to have like like that uh, sort of odd couple chemistry which uh, just drives a lot of films. So, yeah. yeah, problem is yeah. problem is we don't know we don't even know if it's real now because Screen Rant says yes. it's not. So They're cast doubt on it. I, in that Ooh. plot synopsis though, if you had Hugh Grant, he was great in The Gentleman. Very different mm-hmm. new kind of role for him in, in my well, experience. He's, been, he's actually been playing. He hasn't played like the bumbling. Charming type for like twenty. He's, he's sixty. Yeah, now. he's been a long, long time. He's uh, now. Is he a Lord Neverwinter or is he directly? But Wizard? he could be the villain here, the conniving uh, yeah. con man. That would yeah. be a Ooh. compelling. Yeah, I mean, he's been, he's been playing villains for like over a decade now, maybe maybe twenty yeah. years now. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's been doing it for a long time. I think he's. I think he's actually a much much stronger and more varied act. And in, in Paddington too, he was a villain as well. Which you may not have seen. It might not might not be in a movie targeted that, towards you. But he was. He I, was. I, I have seen Paddington too. Mm. I'm just struggling to recall that Hugh Grant was in it. Oh, I okay. Mean, well, he was. <laughs> but I remember there was Paddington in it. Oh, pretty yeah. sure. And there was like Paddington went to jail. <laughs> yes. That is what that is what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Mm. 
Oh, but yeah, he's pro- probably, maybe he's doing voice acting. That would probably be why I have no idea what you're talking about. Anyway. Yeah. Maybe. No. Right, anyway, anyway, let's move on because we are, we are half an hour in and we've still got more news to cover. What's so, so much is. news this week. Um, Paizo is not going yes. to ShenCon this year. Okay. Which is not surprising. I think quite a lot of people are not going to ShenCon this year. I'm not going. Yeah. Hey, it's, uh, are you guys having a presence there this year, Steve? Uh, it's going to vary, but uh, I'm here in Canada, and the vaccine rollout's been much slower than the U.S. or U.K., so, yeah. mm. so um, possibly not. Yeah. we still have quite a few border controls, and um, so mm-hmm. I have to wait and see, but that yeah. looks unlikely. Yeah, I mean, for me... But I'll be there. Some yeah. of our staff will okay. go. Um, yeah, for me, <laughs> I, I, I'm too nervous to go into a big convention like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Next year, next year maybe we'll, we'll have the Gen yeah. Con variant next. Yes, no, yes. I, but it's great that okay. that they are holding it. <laughs> They're taking a lot of precautions, and that's good. And if we don't go, I'd still want to look at how we can support the show. Mm. And as mm. Paizo already announced, they'll be back in a big way next year. Yeah, yeah, and we'd certainly twenty twenty two is going to be massive. Yeah, but there is a Gen Con online element to it, which they're promoting yes. quite heavily. And Paizo, in this announcement, has also said, you know, they're going to be participating fully on that with that, with seminars and game streams. And, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the alternative way of, of doing it this year. Right, so uh, Critical Role Miniatures. Yes. WizKids announced an update to their, their miniature set based on Critical Role. Um, so they're, mm-hmm. these are pre, pre-primed, unpainted miniatures. Okay. Uh, so there were three monster multi-packs. Ooh. A core spawn emissary and a seer with two monsters and core spawn crawlers and husk zombies. Sounds fun. They sound fun. And then, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't really know Critical Role all that well. These are just words to me, unfortunately. But um, um, are, are, anyone, are the anyone, models pretty, Russ? Are uh, the models pretty? Yes, That's what we the models are pretty. They're gorgeous. Okay. They look cool. Good. They are Gloomstalkers, Aerion Reversers, Shadow Priests, and Aerion Nullifiers, and Swavane Basilisks. There we go. Wow. Fantasy words. So I guess there's one that looks a bit like an angry chicken. Is that right? Um, yeah, yeah. I guess. There we go. Excellent. They do look really nice. Yeah, yeah. So if you're if yeah. you're a critical role fan and you're looking for some more miniatures, yes, so yeah. you can't go it's wrong gosh. there. Yeah, right. I think we may be coming towards the end of the news. Finally, That's quite a well, long news fair. segment. Well, we've had like no news for like about two weeks, which is a bit of a yeah, bit of a drawback. Don't mind telling you, Steve, in, a, in an RPG spell, podcast. Huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got some news. Oh, I think you've got my own news. Oh yeah. Is it about the awfully cheerful? Yes. Yeah. yeah, so the awfully yeah, cheerful well. engine launched on Kickstarter this week. It's launched yeah. on Tuesday. And, you know, I've been doing, like, um, two-week Kickstarters for about a year now, for many okay. months. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is the first month-proper traditional month-long one I've done in a year. So mm-hmm. it's actually a bit weird going back to a traditional month-long Kickstarter instead of these mini quick yeah. starters. I'm kind of not used to it. I Like, <laughs> at this point in the Kickstarter, I'd already be thinking about the end of it. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> I'm just starting. I'm like, oh no, I've got a whole month of this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I see that you've already beat the target. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. like what day one sort of business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I'm appearing on Shane Stack's podcast tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, and I've got two more podcasts booked in over the next two weeks, and a whole bunch of interviews. So once once those mm. uh, once those are out in the open, and probably next week, I'll I'll point people in the show notes towards those. Mm. But yeah, it's doing really really well. So if you want to bust some ghosts or hunt some ancient artifacts or punch Nazis yeah. or travel in time or 
or, 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 or travel in a spaceship or whatever, grab the awfully cheerful engine and it's like one shot action comedy um, adventures. Well, don't don't just take Russ's mad babbling from his um, pulpit for all his thought for this. There's actually an actual play that has been recorded using the incredibly talented Ian Wall team. Oh, have you, did you watch um, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's my first ever, the first ever game I've ever run that's actually been videoed and recorded and that the public yeah. is able to see. So. <laughs> How did that go? I think it went all right. It was, yeah. it was a bit weird. Um, you yes. definitely, when you're being recorded, you definitely act differently to when you're at home, um, running it, you know, for, for your, yeah. your friends. Cause you're mm. trying to make sure there's no, off, you know, off topic chatter. You're trying to stay focused the entire time. It's, it is right. different, but I think it, I think it went well. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was a solid hour. And to be fair, that's exactly how long you should be playing to run an awfully cheerful engine game yeah. for. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I think it's I, I, something I do more of. I enjoyed it, which yeah, I wasn't good. sure, I wasn't sure I would, but yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. So I just started yeah. a new D and D campaign and one of the oh. players asked well should we be recording this and yeah. um, you know and then we had a bit of discussion about mm. how it might change the way we actually play the game then mm. so i think it upped my game a little yeah not not mm. not that yeah. i magically became talented or anything but it, <laughs> it, it, it kept me more focused and on yeah. track and kept you know, everyone more focused on keeping things going in the game did it yeah and i think mm. it keeps your energy higher because yeah. mm. because just because it's an event Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so your energy stays because you know when I'm running like a four-hour game with my friends, my energy is mm-hmm. going to wax and wane over that four hours. Yes, of course. Yeah. But if you're if you're if you're running it on camera, it's a little different. It's oh yeah, a bit of adrenaline. Yeah, like a little bit of terror. <laughs> Existential <laughs> terror. Yeah. <laughs> it's important for us not to think about how big your tongue is. That's that's a, that's my key tip for you next time you're doing doing all these uh, actual play podcasts. Yeah, just something I've never thought about time. in my life now, and now you put it in my head. It's going to be... Insidious. Yes. Helping. Yeah. Right. Anyway, I think we finished the use. So I think that's it. And yeah. so I think you can think well, of any new... Well, cheerful engine looks good, Russ, I have to say. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. I'm it's really... the kind of system that I think has a lot of... It's, yeah. I, I like a bit of a lighter system. I like the action. Mm. I like the comedy. All of those go well together, and it's great for... Uh, uh, I mean, it fills the market niche quite nicely. I think um, it it's does. aimed at. Yes. It's aimed at like yeah, you want something light, you want something frilly, yeah, uh, fluffy, and you want it to fit in between other things you're doing. Yeah. And that uh, interstitial role playing game is kind of a big deal because yeah. not everything should, I would say, be a 14 month long D and D campaign. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And I find over my time playing that the. Mm-hmm. The games that I gravitate towards in in between larger mm. campaigns, especially mm. as you're saying, mm. Peter, are the ones that are a little bit lighter, yes, and more narrative, and yeah, especially things that you can pick up and do a one shot with. That's, exactly, uh, take yeah. risks and be silly, and just try out those joke characters that you would never normally want to play. Because if you're if someone's telling you the same joke every hour for four hours for every week for like you know a year. That joke had better be a really good one, which it rarely is. But if you're doing it just for like for an evening, then actually it's quite yeah. funny. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I think it's like got a lot lot. I think they, these sort of short games have a lot of value, which is why there are so many of yeah. them because yeah. they're fun and they're easy. Right, yeah. that is the news. That is the news. It's time to play our favorite game. It's time to play the game. 
our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Shall we play our favourite game in all the world? The game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't normally quibble about such things, but I can't help but notice that Steve does have a website devoted entirely to Kickstarters. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but he gets, exactly. them, he gets them after they've kickstarted. Yes, guys, so. exactly. Oh. So he's like on a time. He's like on a three-month time shift. That's right. 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 Okay. It'll be uh, <laughs> the game will have played itself out by the time we see them. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> Who would like to go first? Oh, I, I think Peter should definitely go first. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so. Hit me, what you got? Okay, you're going to like this one, Peter, if you don't already know what it is. Magical Kitties Level Up. Ah, uh, that sounds very exciting. It's definitely um, in your wheelhouse, isn't it, cats? <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? Um, <laughs> okay, so Magical Kitties Level Up, um, I think, based on, oh, I don't know what I've been working on for since last August, that this is going to be an improved version of what I can only assume to be the original Magical Kitties game. Um, which I guess you're a cat who is magic, and I guess you're trying to help your owners? Yeah, your owners have problems, you're a cat, you're trying to save them. I'm going to go against the grain and say it's not for the D 5th edition, <laughs> and it's probably in the original system. Um, yeah, I mean, that's... High-risk plays, man. You were familiar with the original, so you kind of you kind of already knew this one, but yeah, it is exactly okay. that. So it's a kind of a reprint... With additional new adventures of Magical Kitty Save the Day. Fantastic. So there was a deluxe yeah. edition, Magical Kitty Save the Day deluxe edition. Uh, so they've reprinted that, oh. added new adventures, got some Atlas games. And yeah, you play as a kitten, your cat has a human, and um, yeah. that human has a problem, and you have to solve it using magical kitten powers. Awesome. Yeah. Like, it, it, yeah is the human like just a bumbling fool that needs almost your yeah. cat? Oh, 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 they're, they're, they're that seems to be how all cats idiots. regard their owners. Well, I think from so a I... cat's point of view, that is exactly what we are. <laughs> yeah. Like, can't see in the dark, just clumps around everywhere, can't even catch their own food. Mm. Oh. Like, that's why they have to keep on bringing, like, these sort of partially alive mice in <laughs> to teach you how to hunt properly. <laughs> anyway, Peter, I'll give you seven points out of ten for that. Ooh. Well done. Well done. So, Steve, are you ready? Probably not, but let's do it. <laughs> okay. You can do it, I believe. So... What is necrobiotic? Oh, necrobiotic. These one-word ones are hard, to be fair. Yes. Could go several directions. Um, well, biotic sounds more cyberpunk, sort of. And necro, you've got necromancy. So mm. you'd have to be dealing with um, corpses brought back through technology. So I'd have to say probably near future... Um, yeah, a little bit of a uh, cyberpunk feel with necromancy. The world would probably be a bit dystopian, more than a little, probably more than a little dystopian. I'd say you probably play someone brought back to life, probably not of your own volition. So you've got some master issues to cast off, and it'd be a system that... Would it use 5e? That was the question. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with a that no. That's always the question. I'm going to go with no. The uh, its own thing. Well, that is... Are you sure you haven't seen this? 
Uh, I think <laughs> I saw a key piece of art for it, which looked amazing. Reminded me of Into the Abyss, which is a nice anime. Well, you and you're pretty stellar. much spot on. So okay. yeah, so the world's collapsed and the population's <laughs> fallen to five percent of 5%, the current level. That, that is pretty that's, that's and So humanity wow. has to animate the dead as a workforce. Oh, that's novel. That's quite nice. <laughs> so this is a translation of, Ita- of an Italian game. So it uh, already existed. Mm. So this is an English translation of an Italian game. And it's set in a future Florence in Italy. Yeah. Oh. Why well, wasn't Shannon looking at that um, when they came on? He mentioned that he'd interviewed them, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. So this is from Penny for a Tale. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, Steve. Pretty much spot well, on. I'm going to have to give you a thousand points oh, for that. Well done. A thousand. Yeah. A thousand points. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you were That's so accurate. Very generous. I didn't get some of that. That was great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, tw- oh, all right. The, the French-Italian games, the, the, why is it the European games look so beautiful all the time? Yeah, we were talking about that last week, especially okay. the Scandinavian ones as well, uh, the Swedish okay. ones. Uh, yeah. Lovely. And uh, th- that French company, um, we I forgot it. I forgot its name last week, and I've forgotten it again this week. Uh, Agate Editions. Yeah. Who do um what's the, what's the name of their their product line? Um Esteran. Esteran. Shadows yeah, yeah. of Esteran, yes, yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one. Um those books are uh, just beautiful, beautiful books. Yes. I digress. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's right. okay, so thanks for the podcast. Uh, Dungeons and Digressions would be what we'd call it if that wasn't already taken by something else. Anyway, okay. So P- Peter, are you ready? Uh, yes, hit me. What have you got? This is this is another one word here, I'm afraid. Marvellous. Crescent. 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 <laughs> it, to be fair, it's it's crescent colon something, and the after the colon bit tells you exactly what it is, so I can only give uh, you the first word. I think this is a um, medieval Arabic setting, um, which is looking at following the crescent, as in the crescent moon. Um, so I guess it's uh, maybe it's got like a bit of... Uh, Islamic role playing sort of stuff vibe to it, also certainly like Middle East, uh, Near East sort of flavor to it. And you're looking at, uh, yeah, that sort of thing. Um, gives you the chance to, uh, explore things like Saladin Ahmed's, uh, Throne of the Crescent Moon and that sort of like ghouls and genies and all sorts of good stuff like that. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, but what is it? Well, that is as good a guess as any given that one word. I okay. mean, it could have gone yeah. in a million different directions. Yeah. And uh, that would be awesome. It's not that. That would yeah. be awesome. Well, fair enough. What it actually is, is a nautical yeah. fantasy role-playing game. Oh. So nautical it's Crescent Colon Nautical Fantasy. Okay. So if, 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 I'd, if I'd read out the entire thing, you'd have got it. So basically, it's set in this sort of, um, I guess, Crescent of Islands. Oh, uh, and there's uh, a, a mysterious magic in each island and um, you set off the maps and you explore these different yeah. islands and so sort of yeah, an episodic thing island to island yeah. hopping yeah so yeah. it's like a low like Star fantasy Trek Enterprise going to a new planet yeah, every yeah, episode yeah. 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 so it's a low I fantasy I suppose Archipelago was already taken eh? Uh, well, yeah. well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's a low fantasy there's, oh. there's magic is like uncontrolled and mysterious Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it's got a richly detailed and unique world setting with time as a central theme where all mm-hmm. mortals die at 100 years of age due to a blight known as the Century Curse, which doesn't actually sound that bad if everyone dies at yeah, 100 years of age. Yeah, I would go to 100. <laughs> That's kind of a 
big improvement on what we've actually yeah, got exactly. right now. So. <laughs> Especially this past year. Yeah. Oh, no, because, yeah. Yes, then yeah. again, it would suck being 99 knowing that you're dying at 100. Mm. I suppose. But I guess you've got. But, like, it, it gives you a year to get your affairs in order. I guess so. You've got yeah. that going Yeah. Yeah, so um, no points there, Peter, but your guess was a good guess. I mean, I liked your guess. I mean, people should listen to this podcast just to mine ideas from Peter. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I think, think, yeah, yeah, they're absolutely welcome to my ideas. So so as long as you get excited to actually doing hard work in making the games, you can have all the ideas you'd like. (laughs) (laughs) Right, final one then, final one for Steve. Let's go with, I've got a couple here to choose from. I'm going to go with Garden of the Giants. Garden of the Giants. Nice. Wow. Okay. Evocative. It is evocative. I'm going to, well, it's two directions. You can go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go a little bit higher risk here and go with the sci-fi. The giants are more like uh, Mecca. And garden would mean that probably you're rediscovering technology. So you're rediscovering Mm -hmm. this like uh, repository or field of giant Mecca. And of course, that means you've got to investigate them, pilot the mecha, save the Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Ooh. against probably the typical alien menace that you have to fight back with. Mm. So it's like Pacific Rim sort of thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, completely wrong. <laughs> completely wrong. Completely, yeah. completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds cool. I would definitely play <laughs> <Wow>. that game. <laughs> uh, so what this is, is it is literally a garden. Uh, And you play, this garden has been abandoned by its original inhabitants and left Mm -hmm. to their own devices. All the small animals, like the mice and the the, the rabbits and all the small animals in the garden have gained sentience and developed their own culture inside this isolated walled garden. I see. I thought it was just something that happened inside fridges. (laughs) (laughs) Is there Um, a monster called Ripley that... Probably, probably. The the terror that stalks in the night. (laughs) Yeah. So you get 14 different scenarios to play uh, and 20 Mm -hmm. different plots. And it's tales similar to that stuff you would find in like children's literature. So you get 14 different plots. Yeah. There's a pun there waiting to happen. Is it a garden? Somewhere. Yes. Say say what you've been allotted. Yeah. Yeah, That's all right. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There seems to be a number of games. Wasn't there a, a game you discussed maybe even just last week or something with Shannon that was something about familiars where you're actually playing the familiar? Oh, yeah. 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 There was the 5 yeah conversion. So yes, you could yeah, like yeah. Play yeah. yeah. Now, this week, yeah. there's two different ones where you're playing the, the kitten or the garden. So, it seems to oh. be a recurring... Small, small animal no. seems to be yeah. a popular thing right now. Ooh, pets are the zeitgeist. Maybe I yeah. should maybe I should get in on that quickly before before the bad <laughs> wears off. Well, yeah, you, you'll you'll have to wait till. I mean, it sounds like the perfect expansion for the awfully cheerful engine, where you can play your minions and sidekicks yeah. uh, and be executing fluffy. It's not a bad idea. Yeah, well, yeah. That's, that's an idea so, for a stretch goal. Anyway. That, 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 that sounds like your problem, not mine. Anyway, <laughs> anyway so, um, Steve, unfortunately, no points there. Yeah. But, oh. but. I think you are the winner this week because you have 1,000 right. points to Peter's seven. Uh, oh, to the post. Very <laughs> generous to your guest. Congratulations. <laughs> well, not always. <laughs> not always. 
<laughs> Congratulations. You are the winner of this Thank week's you. our favourite game in all the world. You oh, get to take over the trophy, a meta- yes. metaphorical sense of um, um, self-satisfaction. Smug self-satisfaction. Smug self-satisfaction. Smug self-satisfaction. Even better. Well Thank you. Greetings, Sir Armourer. I am here to buy a new suit of armour. Well, here at Smith, 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 Smith and Smith, we have the best weaponsmiths and armourers in all the land, my lord. What can I get for you? Well, I've recently been honoured by the Queen with the noble rank of Knight Fourth Class. I need to upgrade my current apparel accordingly. Of course, sir. You can't be seen slaying dragons in that old thing. It has seen better days. So tell me, uh, Smith? No, no, I'm Smith, sir. Smith does the accounting. Ah, right, you are, Smith. So what do you have for me? Oh, you came in at just the right time, my lord. We've recently taken possession of the finest suit of armour I've ever had the pleasure to lay my eyes upon. My, yes, it is very shiny. And those ornate runes. Oh, yes, indeed, sir. It is highly enchanted by no less than the Eldritch War Council of the Fourth Age. The Fourth Age? Why, this is an antique. It must have a wonderful lineage. Oh, yes, sir. It was first worn by Sir Borcus the Bedeviled, sir, in the Battle of Three Purses. Ah, yes, a noble hero with a gruesome fate. He deserved better. Ironic, really. The finest suit of armour in the land didn't help him much, did it? No, sadly not, sir. It then passed to Lady Strogarm the Charmless, who adventured in this very suit of armour while hunting the blood kobolds of Fangtooth Peak. I read about her as a young lad, peppered by kobold arrows. A sad fate. Oh, very sad, sir. So unfortunate. Well, who else wore this fine suit, Smith? Uh, Smith, sir. Sorry, Smith. No matter, sir. Well, the next heroic soul to don this magnificent ensemble was Captain Bollingwood of the Always Winter City Guard. And what happened to him? Ah, stabbed in an alley by a ferocious raccoon, sir. An unfortunate history of this armour. Still, who else was there? Well, there's uh, Jarkle the Bold. Uh, Lost his first duel. Lord Garrick of the Sivwood Garricks. Accidentally skewered by his own squire. The mighty Heraculum, a breaker of the Iron Gate. Defeated in battle by a mere goblin. Uh, Lady Sybil Redlington of Milton Keynes. Won over by a speeding carriage. The 16th Emperor of the Grey Race. Assassinated. The Great Gladiator, Artemis. Eaten. Cobalt, the Barbarian. Speared. Commander Brightcloak of the Queen's Watch. Accidentally fell on his own sword. Look, is there anybody who actually wore this armour and survived? My lord, I assure you this is the finest armour in all the land. It's certainly very shiny, I give you that. But its efficacy seems to be in doubt. Tell me, Smith. Uh, Smith, sir. Uh, Tell me, Smith, what armour class does this lovely suit provide? Oh, see how shiny and well inlaid with the finest jewels it is, sir. That wasn't my question, Smith. Uh, uh, Smith, sir. Never mind that. What is its armour class? Oh, look at this gold threading, sir. Weaved by the finest goldsmiths ever to walk this here world. Armour class. And the pockets. So many pockets. One thing I do know, sir, is that you can never have too many pockets. Smith, I'm going to ask you this one last time. What is the armour class of this suit of armour? 
Um, ten, sir. Ten? Uh, yes, sir. But, but my underwear has an AC of ten. Twelve with my dexterity bonus. Well, yes, technically you wouldn't get your dexterity bonus with this armor, sir. What? So I'm literally better off not wearing it. Well, technically... Technically? You're telling me that in the heat of battle, my most effective tactic would be to strip off my armour and fight in my underoos? It is the finest suit of armour in all the land, sir. Finest? My grandmother's nightshirt makes for a better suit of armour. No wonder everybody who wore it came to a grisly end. Oh, but it is very reasonably priced, sir. I dread to ask. Okay, fine. Tell me, how much is it? A mere snip at a million gold coins, sir. A million? For an armour class of ten? This is an antique, sir. Have you seen the silk underlay? The silk has nothing to do with it. This here armour fails to perform the single most fundamental task for which it was created. But the pockets... Pockets don't do me any good when I'm skewered on the claws of a bog troll, do they? Many would give their left arm for such a fine suit of armour, sir. And several did. Look here, Smith. Uh, uh, Smith, sir. Look here, Smith. This is the Hmm. worst armour shop I've ever been unfortunate enough to visit. Your wares are useless and you fail to grasp the most basic principles of combat protection. You wouldn't know a fine suit of armour if it hit you in the face. Oh, I say, sir, that's a little strong. And furthermore, the sheer... Goal you have to charge one million gold coins for such a pointless, ineffective pile of junk. You, Sir Smith, are the worst armor smith I have ever encountered. You are a disgrace to the profession. You should be ashamed. What do you have to say for yourself? How about I throw in this lovely set of pajamas, sir? Oh, I'll take it. This podcast market is quite good fun. True. We do get to talk to interesting people. They are very interesting, and we've had all sorts. Big names, old and new. But how do we know who to talk to? Well, sometimes our patrons give us suggestions. What, so we try and get the people they want us to talk to on? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, and obviously they get the fullest version of the podcast. The fullest? They do? Yeah, yeah, you know, all the funny stories and random jokes and digressions. Really? People are missing out on those? Well, they're not news, are they? Oh, come on, but that's all my favourite bits. How can you avoid missing out? Ah, uh, well, that's easy. Uh, so, just become a perfectly proper podcast patron. Perfectly proper podcast patron? What? How? Well, you head along to patreon.com slash morris and subscribe there. Oh, well, how much does that cost? $50 a month? You'd think. I mean, it's certainly worth $50 a month, but oh. no, just a dollar. Is it? Mate, that's like 25 cents an episode. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Ah. Patreon.com.morris. M-O-R-R-U-S. M-O-R-R-U-S. Cheers. I'll check that out. Let's talk about drive through RPG, shall we? Yes, let's. So, I'm old enough, Steve, to remember when Drive-Thru RPG came about. Yes. It was, what, 
2004 ish. You're coming up on the century mm. curse, then, is what you're saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, because at the time there was RPG Now was around, if yes. I recall correctly. James Matthew had started RPG Now. Yeah, and this is yeah. this is pre the Paizo store that didn't exist. No, at the time, not. And, and, no. And, and the other smaller ones that have popped up since then. So basically, yes. it was RPG Now, and then you guys came along, and then we came along next, what, two, a couple of years later. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So when yeah. when you, when you did that, was it kind of a case of you saw RPG now and you thought, okay, we can do that too. We could, or we could, right? Or well, at the time, I was with White Wolf Publishing, yeah, which was my former life, and we had uh, just put out the new edition of Vampire Requiem, mm. and mm. you know, as a larger publisher, you put in a considerable amount of coin. Yeah, which yeah. in those days there was no Kickstarter, so you aren't <laughs> yeah, pre-selling yeah. it. It's it's a, quite an investment to produce the game, and then within a few days of releasing it, it's uh, someone scanned it in and made a PDF, and are sharing it on the BitTorrents and everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at the time we were kind of like, can't beat them, join them. Mm. If people really want the digital, then shouldn't we be the, offering this in some sort of to them rather than yeah yeah yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. And you know there are a lot of people who wanted that option, who who were willing to help, you know, pay just like, you know, Patreon, Kickstarter, everything else. Mm. There's, uh, there's a lot of honest gamers out there who are willing to support their hobby. So we did, and we said, well, this doesn't really make sense if we just do it ourselves. This makes mm. more sense if it's a separate business that invites all the other publishers to join in and do it as mm. well, because this is happening to their titles as yeah. well. And then the fact that RPG Now already existed certainly helped and showed that there was a model out there that seemed interesting and might be working or not. Yeah, yeah. And we just wanted to do it with um, a lot more content from a lot more yeah. publishers. So I assume at the time you probably did a whole bunch of, you know, you looked at the market, you looked at the landscape. What was like the the landscape look like before you and RPG Now came along and started started making it into a proper a proper sort of storefront because right. presumably people did sell PDFs occasionally but it wasn't anything like the the sort of entire yes. industry it is now so what was the landscape sort of like when you came onto it yeah quite fragmented really and also technology at the time i mean you're still mm. talking in days before broadband yeah. And yeah. was was broadly accessible and um, so there was a lot of CD-ROM stuff. I mean, you, you get uh, into mm. mid-90s and on, and there's publishers selling content in, on CD-ROM. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're, we're talking back in the days when opening up a cafe and saying, you can come and play multiplayer games using our broadband was a feasible business model. That's mm. right. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 Interesting so, times. And then there were some um, folks offering, you know, electronic or PDF sort mm. of things, but often it was still like, we'll send it to you on disc, mm. or there's lots of interesting, sort of like how Netflix, in a way, changed from, you know, mailing you oh, DVDs yeah. to, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I still remember getting my first Netflix uh, CD, DVD, in fact, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> through yeah. the mail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it really took a website and downloads and things for that model mm. to really make sense, I mm. think. Mm. And yeah. uh, James Matthew with RPG Now was the first to do it in a serious way. And mm. and then um, to the extent that we were a copycat of what James mm. did, mm. Um, yeah. he came along and, and um, just tried to. You know, and I was having already been in the industry for 
15 years or more at that point, I, I knew most of the other top RPG publishers. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so it was still a lot of work, but we could pull them together and, and they could say, okay, well, White Wolf's doing this and Monty Cook's doing this mm. and others. So maybe I need to do it as well. Yeah. And, yeah. Or should do it. Yeah. Yeah. So at the time you came on, I mean, how long were you and RPG now in competition for? Was like a couple of years, was it, before you decided yep. to merge? We merged uh, in 2006, forming hmm. our current company called One Bookshelf. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was about four or five years that we competed. They'd release some feature on their website, and we'd be like, oh, that looks like a good idea. Maybe we should do that, too, (laughs) and vice versa. But And that's really a lot of what spurred us to say maybe we should combine forces Mm. because we were basically both sitting there in different silos doing the same kind of web development. And it's like, well, why don't we just team up and do twice the web development rather than just replicate each other's work? So did that come from your end, then, or did James approach you? It did. did I I met James at at, at Gamma as a game trade show that happens in Las Vegas when there's not a pandemic going on. And and, uh, we met there for the first time to talk about this. And I just floated the idea past him. And then it came together over six months or something. Um, It happened to be the same year that White Wolf was being sold to CCP, merging with CCP, the Icelandic EVE Online company. And so, for me, it was two mergers in one year. It was a very busy year, 2006. (laughs) um, But when White Wolf sold to CCP, then I actually went full-time working with one bookshelf and and do, chose to do that. So. And, then, and then you never went back. It's, and then you've been doing ever since. since. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm just, it's kind of fair to say, I think, probably drive through is the lion's share. Like by an order of magnitude, I'd say the main, the main um, PDF seller for tabletop RPG com- uh, content mm. in the world, mm. isn't it? I, I hmm. imagine so. I don't like to say that myself. But <laughs> if you want to say it, Russ, then... Well, you know, I've, no. I've sold but, various uh, outlets myself. Yes. And definitely yeah. drive through is the one where, like, historically, the majority of yep. my sales would have come from compared yep. to others. Sure. I mean, it's, there's, there's some that have come and gone, and there's some that, you know, but... um. Yeah, drive through. Like, like, well, I have a few interesting IO numbers. It's if- pretty big. Yeah. Or oh, game sorry, bigger. Everyone. Yeah. Itch.io is yep. is there as well, yep. and they're doing a lot of stuff for the indie scene. Mm. Yep, because uh, they're yep. definitely enjoying a lot of support from the people there. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I, w- I would I would argue though that your biggest competition probably isn't other PDF sellers; it's other pla- other business pla- models entirely, like Kickstarter, uh, Patreon, maybe sort of like the Roll Twenties and virtual tabletop marketplaces yeah. and things like that. Is that fair to say? Yep. Yeah, I, I think that in a way, there's all of these sort of, you know, Venn diagrams of circles that overlap yeah, a bit. Yeah. And if you take any one of those, there's ways that we sort of cooperate and yeah. synergize with them and other mm. ways that we compete with them. Yeah. So certainly mm. like Kickstarter as an example, when Kickstarter well, started- Well, Kickstarter's ex- the one that sprang to mind because mm-hmm. I've, I fulfill pretty much, I'd say, a good half of my- uh, Kickstarters through drive through RPG, mm-hmm. the ones that I don't do offset print runs for. Yeah. So if right. I'm, I'm going to do uh, a print on demand um, fulfillment, which I do frequently because it's so convenient, so easy to do. Yep. And mm-hmm. you finish a Kickstarter and you fulfilled it like a couple of weeks later and you're done. It's so easy. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So um, that's, that's yeah, basically so how you cooperate with Kickstarter is that most people exactly. generally. And also, product. to an extent, Kickstarter has 
helped all creators monetize, mm. which creates mm. more content, yeah. which is content yeah. that normally we end up seeing. So, mm. you know, the, when Kickstarter was first exploding on the scene, we were like, "This uh, is this a competitive threat for mm. us? Is this something we need to worry about? Yeah. But over time, it, it has just shown itself to be something else that's additive to the hobby. So, so, it, so it's benefited you rather than... Yeah, and, and you know, a lot of our focus is actually we measure ourselves on how much money we send every year to creators. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. And so we look at something like Kickstarter and it's like, well, that's sending more money to creators too. And, and it's not, you know, directly competitive to what we're trying to offer. Mm-hmm. We're, we're where people can go to say, I want something right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to wait some nebulous time frame and pay now and mm-hmm. nebula whatever they just <clears throat> they need something now and they and they also want to sort a big search a big selection for a particular type of thing and so it's just um, it's a different very different model and and we found it more synergistic than surprisingly than than yeah. we're not yeah because I I think I think you also like host the DMs Guild silo as well that's right yeah. so one well, bookshelf a- we host several sites yeah. and the and the two mm-hmm. most people would know would be Drive Through RPG and DMs Guild yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. which has been very exciting for us to have that happen and and through that we've offered more community content programs so that um, I go back to the the root of the business like we were talking a moment ago I think there's a couple of things that happened in the market and one of them was the open game license that came along mm-hmm. with third edition D&D and the other was RPG Now and Drive Through RPG starting up letting people sell PDFs yeah. and suddenly the whole business changed from you needing thousands and thousands of dollars to create your first role-playing game mm. to needing almost nothing yeah. um, because you can cl- lock into the, the most popular game system and you can sell it as a PDF without investing in some big offset print yeah. run because yeah. yes. POD wasn't really there yet. No. And, and so it just opened the doors for a lot of people to create. Yeah. Um, I think the, the barriers to entry – into the industry have been steadily coming down. So I think the first one, yep. I can't remember mm-hmm. who it was that said this. And I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but mm-hmm. Ryan Dancy or Mike Mills or someone like that um, um, went through a list of, I think it was like four different things. And the first one was desktop publishing. Yep. Mm-hmm. When that, when that happened, sure. that was transformative. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. The, the second one probably was PDF publishing, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, things like Drive Through RPG and RPG Now and, yeah. Platforms like you really reduced the yes. barriers massively. Right. Uh, Kickstarter was the next one in the it made it possible for you to get the funding for you. So that yes, in advance. Yeah, basically. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. And it's it's going to be interesting to see what comes next. I kind of think. I mean, right. I, mean, I imagine you think Ooh. about that constantly. You've got to. I mean, that's basically yeah. uh, your, your your business. I mean, yes. I mean, do you think like the model? as it is with drive through is something that can go on indefinitely or do you think there's you know things ways in which maybe you're going to have to evolve or adapt or or things will change well a lot Ooh. of our focus is on finding ways to make it easier for people to create content yeah. and create good content right. and and Ooh. so things like dm's guild where now anyone can produce their own D&D mm. supplement and load it upload it and start selling it and now we have those programs, as you know, for many other mm. game systems, um, Call of Cthulhu mm. and World of Darkness and different things. And yeah. so, well, D and D supplement using D and D's intellectual property, I think. Exactly, yeah. all and of that, intellectual property. And you can only sell it on that DM's Guild place. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. yeah. But, so, you, but you get to use Forgotten Realms and you get to, you know, yes, you can and have Drizzt in you your... Yeah, if, yeah. you yeah. want, if you want a Drizzt, yeah. you can have a Drizzt. Yes, <laughs> exactly. You can have a Beholder rather than an Eye Beast or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you've yeah. got a big community coming and looking mm. every day at, mm. at for something mm. coming out there and, and um, looking for something to yeah. add to their D&D game. Mm. So it's it's been wonderful. And so that's an example where we feel like that's broken down some more barriers. So yeah. if somebody mm-hmm. wants to create something, but they want to create it for one of their favorite games, well, now they have a greater avenue to do that. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so it just spurs more creation. And So DMs Guild is like a really good yeah. example, because I think like for a good few mm-hmm. years before DMs Guild came about, people were saying Wizards of the Coast is going to do an, app st- an Apple App Store at some point. Mm-hmm. And, that's, mm-hmm. and DMs Guild turns out to be kind of the impl- implementation of that. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Um, yep. Yep. So, I mean, but who did they come to you with that? Did you go to them? Was it how? How did that come about? Right. Well, we were talking to them about a whole range of business things, yeah. and then in a meeting, Chris Lindsay comes in and says, "Hey, how about this?" And we're mm-hmm. like, "That sounds awesome. Let's do that." Right. right. So, it really, mm-hmm. if if there's anyone, it's Chris Lindsay who had the original idea for it, Ooh. and uh, and then we rolled with it from there, mm-hmm. and it was few short months and we had it live oh, really so that quick it was, yeah it was an exciting few months yeah. but it was yeah because yeah. i assume at the time you probably were maybe what talking to them about selling dnd pdf generally because because there was a there was a period mm. when you couldn't get dnd pdfs at all wasn't there that's no. right for a while yes. i can't remember i can't remember the yes. time periods involved but for yeah. a while there was a bit of a roller coaster for, to our mm. Relationship over the years there yeah. with with D and D content, and it's still. Right. I mean, if I have one frustration in the business, it's that we are mm. able to sell. Um, we sell almost all RPG content, yeah, except mm. the two largest games. Right, we don't right. really get to sell Paizo official titles, and we don't really get to sell D and D fifth edition official titles. Yeah, so yeah, that's a little troublesome. I but mean, um, it, it is it is pretty interesting because you can find yourself potentially having to buy the same product up to four times. Like you might buy it from Drive-Thru RPG, you might buy it on Roll20, you might buy it on D&D Beyond, uh, and you might buy a physical copy. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, so you, you, you bought the same thing four times. And whilst obviously this is potentially good for creators in that you could get paid four times the same work, mm-hmm. on the other hand you're probably not going to get someone buy the same thing four times. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So, yeah. and, and I yeah. think that that's, I mean, you can go to drive through RPG and if a publisher has a title available mm. in for download and print, you can get usually mm. some sort of combination mm. deal where, mm. you know, you, you pay yeah. nothing for the PDF or something small for the PDF to add on. Yeah. I know, I know in the UK, you've got the bricks and mortar scheme, which mm-hmm. is where RPG shops with like proof of purchase will give you a code. So you that's can right. get, Yes. Get it. Uh, get, get the PDF ready, which yep. and, and is some, really useful because they've all and got some, some publishers pieces. are printing unique codes in their books mm. as well. Mm. Like Goodman Games mm. print unique codes in the book and you can redeem mm. the PDF yeah. at, well, at the drive. Get, getting a PDF mm. copy when you buy a physical copy has become so standard now that I notice mm-hmm. it when mm. it's not there. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, mm. I do it myself. Yeah. You get, you buy a physical book for me, you will always get a PDF yeah. for free. And if you bought it right. somewhere mm. else, just you know, just email me and I'll make sure you, mm. you get set up. So I think that's... Yes. And, and I think where it makes sense to to ask mm. the customer, the the, the, the fan to buy mm. both 
or to pay something for for more than mm. one format mm. is when mm. that format does require extra work for the publisher mm. to put together right, or right. where it has cost. Yeah. So obviously a printed book, well there's there's cost involved with producing yeah, that yeah, book yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. got to be covered. But yeah. also if a publisher does a proper job of creating their PDF, that can be quite a lot of extra formatting mm. work at times. Um, if they oh, if they yeah, really want to do PDFs it right. PDFs and there's PDFs absolutely. Yeah, especially if you, if you yeah. add functionality yeah. into them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I mean, PDFs without functionality just feel yes lazy. <laughs> I gotta say, like I, I know it's a very yeah. harsh thing to say, but it just feels yeah. that way. It's like I want my I want it to be properly hyperlinked. It's yep. it's there to be convenient. Yeah. Right. If I'm running it on a thing, I, I need to be able to find what I want quickly. Mm. But um, but sometimes it's mm. even more in that like we're we're trying to promote that publishers consider doing what we call a phone PDF. Mm. Um, I mean, historically, people have done PDF, publishers and creators have done PDFs by taking the layout of their printed book, which is, you mm -hmm. know, A4, eight and a half yeah. by 11, and basically converting mm -hmm. it. And, and mm -hmm. that's fine if you're reading on an iPad. You know, it's okay on a desktop, but a desktop 16 by 9 mm. kind of format. So maybe it's a two-page yeah, spread. But on a phone, yeah. But, yeah. It, mm. but on a phone, it just doesn't work. You're like pinching and yeah. zooming. and So, oh, yeah. so the phone PDF mm. would ask a publisher to relay out your book to mm. a screen to a page size mm. that fits a phone and mm. also when you're reading on a phone you want to have a lot of navigation just so that you can yeah. navigate it purely by touch yeah. you don't really want yes. a page 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 and so there's a lot of yeah. extra navigation added and we have right. examples on drive through rpg some of which are free so i yeah. i'd encourage folks remember, to try actually, yeah, out i remember when you uh, announced it it was a year ago or something yes yeah. a year like ago have you got any sort yeah. of like sort of figures on that how was it doing is it is it it's people it's embraced slow. it it's yeah. it's uh, it's slow because for publishers it's a lot of extra work yeah and mm, uh, and it's mm. something new and uh, publishers any publisher or creators got a lot of um, possible things to spend their time on yeah, yeah. and yeah. so this one has to prove itself out to be commercially um, you know yeah important Cause you're, cause you're basically to having to pay for layout twice really aren't you yeah you really yeah. are yeah, yeah. 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 and. Uh, so, but we're, we're going to push the format again this year with some new titles that right. uh, will right. be in that format, and um, mm. and also, of course, we're developing our app, which helps people yeah. sync their whole okay. library to their tablet, and we'll have a phone mm. version of that app coming out. And yeah. uh, but I, but it just it, it makes sense for people to be able to consume their their games on their phone mm. as easily mm. as they do their other devices, mm. and yeah. so I think we have to get there. Uh, I, I think about eight, ten years ago, I was like, I had all these PDFs that I had acquired from various yes. Kickstarters. I was like, it would be amazing to have access to this. This, like I said, it was a while back. I'm like, okay, so what I'll do is I'll get a tablet and I will use the tablet to go through the PDFs. And yes. that was, it was a strong idea, but you know what? It just did not work at all for me. Mm. It was not good. Not <laughs> couldn't good. find anything, couldn't flip between pages. It didn't have that sort of ease of use and interface. Yep. Um, but I, I think we're all familiar with like the Pathfinder GM's complaint of, well, here's me, here's my rucksack. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Let me yeah. bring my donkey yeah. card. Yeah. Of, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Well, uh, well, I suppose nowadays you've got your like little mini low loader to uh, pull well, along. We have customers YouTube. with thousands and thousands of titles in their, yes. in their library. Yeah, I've got so, quite a few. Can, can we yeah. just go back quickly to that mm. sort of yeah. Paizo oh, yeah. and um, Wizards thing, though? Because, I mean, yeah. obviously I can see mm. why Paizo 
isn't going to sell official um, Paizo PDFs on your store because they have their own competing store. Well, yeah, sort of. yes, <laughs> they do. Um, they, you know, Paizo was um, obviously a publisher first and foremost, yeah, and, yeah. A, and a store secondarily. And and I, um, I would say that you know, it's not their primary business, mm. but yes, yeah. but no. they do sell third party uh, PDFs there. Yep. Uh, and one of the things I know they do is uh, they also give you discounts. Like you, it, it's not. It's as you were as you were saying, Steve. Like there is added value. So, but they give you a discount on buying the same product from Roll Twenty, which you know it's like I'm a bit of a nerd, but then I'm actually well, actually I am getting a lot of stuff. For what I'm I'm getting extra work, extra value has been added to the product. So that mm-hmm. that is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. But anyway, sort of yeah. going, going back to that. So, but from yeah. the, from Wizards' point of view, Wizards doesn't have the same situation. I was just wondering if you had any. Right. I mean, I, obviously, you can't speak for Wizards, and I wouldn't ask you yeah. to. But have you got any insight oh. into why you can't buy like official D and D fifth edition books on RPG on Drive? Well, it hasn't been for lack of yeah. us asking. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, mean, I know I they think, were citing piracy at one point, but that can't yes. that can't really be the reason because that's <laughs> well. I mean, you can go out and in two seconds find any um, anything online yeah, if but, you want yeah, to. It's yeah. when when I when um, iTunes launched uh, and people were already used to stealing music on Napster. Mm-hmm. People ask Steve Jobs, well, cool, how Napster, are you going to sell well, music for a dollar? <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you going to sell music for a dollar a song or whatever? Yeah. And he's like, well, some people, you know, want to do the right thing. Yeah. And yeah. and also they just want the convenience of... Well, that's another thing, you know, though. It's so it. much easier to buy it from... Yeah. To, yeah. You don't want to be messing around with stealing stuff from I know. torrents and... Uh, right. You know, it's... People want to pay the creators, yeah. ultimately. Yeah. I mean, like, the hobby's yeah, not going like, to exist hmm. if... if People if don't have the right creators. choice. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, so mm. piracy is out there, and and, and mm. um, but they have they've chosen D and D Beyond as a digital partner. Yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. and, and uh, they've got, and they've uh, got Roll Twenty, and they've got uh, Fantasy mm-hmm. Grounds cell versions. Of their yes. Books as well. mm. And and so their current outlook seems to be that they aren't um, interested in adding more yeah. digital partners. Just say, mm. I would and, definitely uh, definitely pay is. for that. Yeah. Without a doubt. Mm. I mean, I'd actually, I mean, it's not many companies mm. that probably that I would buy them in both formats and pay separately mm-hmm. for them, but probably D and D I would, mm. I think. Yes. Well, I mean, DM skills a big thing on its own, isn't it? I mean, I, oh, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. I think you've said before the DM skill now is bigger than the main drive through RPG site. No, sorry, no, is that it's not. not true? Yeah. Oh, that's what. I've, no, okay. no, definitely not. Yeah. It's big. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but it's it's yeah. definitely a secondary. Um. I, if you want, we'll play a little game. All right. I, I have a few data points for you. Why not? Um, That'll be fun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, like one book- <laughs> <laughs> All the wrong. As one, as one bookshelf, we operate several yes. marketplaces, right? But if you have a customer account, right. it works. So if yeah. you have a customer account in DMs Guild, it works on drive through and all yeah. of that. Yeah. We yeah. Have also have Wargame Vault for war games and other sites. Mm-hmm. But but yeah. by far, drive through RPG and and the RPG hobbies are our mm. cornerstone. So, okay. how many total products do we have uh, in our market across all sites, including DMs Guild? DMs, yes, Ooh. hundreds of thousands, about, hundreds of thousands. I'm going to say about ten million. Two hundred thousand. We just passed two hundred thousand. Russ, I was Russ wow. yes. right on the money. <laughs> yes. That's, do you yeah. know how I know that? I counted oh, yeah. them one at yes. a time. Yeah. Yeah. Right oh, yeah. before the podcast, yeah. <laughs> just so you can answer that question. 
<laughs> well, well, well Russ, Russ doesn't have a lot of hobbies, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he's got to find something to do. Has a hermit, yeah. so yeah, two hundred thousand. <laughs> wow, that's a that's a, yeah. that's a lot yeah. of content. We get about yeah. six hundred new titles a week. Mm. Nice, and um, we have eleven thousand titles in print. Um, mm-hmm. So by far, it is m- way more titles offered digitally that's, that's than in print. How, but how public is the um, print on demand? part of it for it's, you as opposed to the digital probably about 20 percent of the business right, right. or something like that Ooh. yeah because that's my yeah. it's definitely my favorite part of the business yes it's, well and, and to use this use it for kickstarter fulfillment and yeah yeah, various yeah other things yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. uh I, I do really like the quality by the way of the print on demand stuff that kickstarter produces wonderful but, do you know what i was yeah. kind of thinking yeah. the other day is that you know back a kit a lot of the functionality yeah. that Backer Kit offers, mm. I think yeah. that Joy Through RPG would be in a position to offer that better because mm-hmm. a lot of it is that you've got the pledge manager and then you've got yeah. a whole bunch of, you know, stuff that you can add on to your pledge. But Joy Through RPG already mm. has that stock. Yeah. yeah. It already exists yeah. in your database and on your servers and mm-hmm. the publishers already have an account there. So if there was some yeah. way to link up Kickstarter, some kind of API with, drive through RPG and you did yep. pledge fulfillment, including mm-hmm. um, print on demand automatically tied in like that. I think that would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm always getting things from back kit complaining. Oh, you haven't filled in a survey, <laughs> even when I have. So like just knowing. <laughs> There's areas of improvement. But is that a thing you thought about Steve? Yeah. Or is that a thing that. Oh, it, it a little bit. Um, and we've oh. been trying to creep into that area a little bit. Yeah. But mostly just by putting through putting together tools that make it easier and easier for publishers yeah, to yeah. do their fulfillment, and so mm, you know you just yeah. upload your data file of backers and addresses and yeah. ship out. I think, I think you were talking about a shipping cost calculator a few weeks ago, actually. Yeah, I think I, I think at I least a initial version of yeah, it. Yeah, because I think it was, uh, it was me that mentioned it. It was yes, um, it was. That was your your so jump. Basically, if you got sort of like ten different pledge tiers and ten different add-ons. And you need to ship those to 30 different countries in a number of different combinations. You are working out the shipping costs for, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens, manually, one at a time, painstakingly, one at a time, dozens and dozens of different shipping combinations to different countries. So this this pledge here, this pledge here to France cost this, this pledge here to Norway cost this, this pledge here to Australia cost this. Right. Next pledge here. And then. That's why, that's why I only like offer to wow. sort of like half a dozen countries because, you know, I'm not, huh. I'm not going to work that out for 200 countries. It's just not happening. No. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, that, that's just yeah. like, that, that feels like there's money being left on the table because I presume, I don't know, that the uh, postal charges for various countries would be publicly available information. Well, they constantly anyway. That, but the, but the added, yes. the added right, thing right. is, with add-ons, it means that any yeah. given order could be one of a number of different combinations. So even if you've only got six pledge tiers, it's not just six shipping yeah. prices you need. Because no, no. But, 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 and this is the thing, it's like, you know, if you know what the shipping prices are for a size of a package, mm. what you'd then be asked has the person producing it is, how much will this weigh? Or what size package will it fit yeah. in? Well, I mean, that's going on to what... Um, which hopefully you will know. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we're just going on to what yeah. we are just talking about, because um, yeah. um, Steve came up with the idea of uh, a page which you select a given mm. combination of books and stuff, Yeah, so. uh, and then yeah. it just spits out the shipping costs for a whole yeah, yeah. range of different countries. 
which I don't know, is that, is that, is that going ahead, Steve? Is that, is that a thing that's happening? Yeah, it's the, the initial implementation of it's done. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit of a, um, it was a little bit of a hack, honestly, how we did it. Um, but it's absolutely functional. And then later down the line, we'll, we'll do a proper version of the tool. It's going to save me hours of time, honestly. Yeah. That is such a good idea. I'll yeah. I'll make sure you get the info Thank on you. how to yeah, do it. Yeah, right no, I'll be using that straight yeah. away without, without yeah. a doubt. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but you know, as with any sort of web business service, you you you're, we're always trying to listen to the customers yeah. and the publishers and find out what the pain points yeah. are and yeah and mm. um, and so we're not really out to compete with say a backer kit per se, but if there are certain things that, that our publishers would make their lives easier, then we'll go look to do those things. Um, and, and try to make life easy. So the life, easy life is better. (laughs) So what other, I mean, I suppose you probably always got, things in development, which you maybe don't want to talk about, but is there anything, is, is there stuff on the horizon? Is there, Mm. Yeah, so we've got uh, a couple of things. Mm. One, we're always improving the app that we have yeah. so people can mm. easy, more easily sync their whole library to their desktop or their mm. tablet or whatever. Um, so we're coming mm. out with a new version of that, uh, yet another version of that in another month or two yeah. it'll release. Um, and we are working on basically a whole new website. Yeah, um, I've seen previews of that, actually. Yeah, shiny, yeah. shiny website. Shiny. Because <laughs> you've, you've had the same uh, design <laughs> for well, 15 years, haven't you? It's been... Well, yeah, I mean, you can do the way back machine and there were like when we first launched drive through rpg it was actually like a, a drive through menu right. that was on the home page and it had a little speaker uh, and if you click the <laughs> oh, speaker there, yeah, were, yeah. there <laughs> were random pre-recorded messages that would play for you and, yeah uh, like what uh, you want traveler is that mega traveler traveler 2000 <laughs> you know it's all this sort of um, and, do you jokes. Want, and, and do you want fries for that yeah yeah exactly yeah. um so so oh, the website has changed quite a bit. We basically, over operating it for this many years, have sort of accumulated a lot of technical debt mm. and makes it harder mm. to move forward with new features. Mm. Yeah. So we're starting all over mm. and going with a sort of a new architecture right, and, right. and having to basically recode the site from the ground up. Mm. And we've been working on it for a couple of years, but no one would mm. notice because it's a lot of back-end work first. And, yeah, and yeah, now yeah. as the front-end starts to develop, yeah. we'll be able to show more of those results. So is that focused um, more around mm. customers, or have you got some back-end tools in, in Well, store initially, for we want too. the customers to be happy yeah. because that's what pays <laughs> all the bills. Happy? No. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. What sort of business plan Crazy. is this? <laughs> but there's a lot we want to do with publisher tools they actually the the Ooh. instigation of doing a new site mm. and recoding our whole site came because we Ooh. wanted to go through and just um, do a whole new pass on the user experience for our publisher tools mm. like right mm. now the process so many things have grown organically yeah. like let's graft this new function onto this page yeah. and yeah. over time and it mm. just uh, you know after 15 years or more it becomes a bit of a mess yeah, it's a bit peaceful, um, yeah. yeah yeah so it's um like we'd like you to just be able to upload your PDF file and we'll mm. grab the cover for you. We'll grab the page count for you. Mm. We'll, there's a mm. lot of things about the whole flow that a publisher uses yeah. that we uh, could easily be optimized once we're, but mm. to do that, we decided better to actually 
change our framework out first. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're redoing the site. And there's a preview. So if you go to Drive through RPG, you can mm-hmm. click on the little header link and see the preview of the new site there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a, a new e-commerce site design isn't maybe the most thrilling thing to look at, <laughs> but for, for us, it is, this, it is this when you, gets it is us when you settle in the morning. Yes, exactly. And there's nice things like the cover sizes will be larger now and, Mm -hmm. you know, and be a little bit, the product pages are a lot more attractive and uh, easier previews and more images to to see what you're getting and a lot of things to help the customer. Are are you keeping things like the front front page? Because that, I believe, Mm -hmm. I could be wrong and you know better that that has quite a significant boost in sales if you make the front page. Absolutely, it does, yeah. Mm. So, our, our, the top, I mean, as with most sites, you can do some analysis, and it's like mm. anything that shows on your first screen break for customers, mm. like yeah. only 10% of customers ever scroll yeah. beyond yeah. that yeah. first mm-hmm. screen break. So, if you're if you're on the top, then it has a big impact yeah. on sales. So, so, so with the whole 10% rule, isn't it? Every click drops, mm. drops you down to 10% of the previous click. So you, yes. want to, you want to make, you you want to put as few steps and as few barriers in place as possible, mm, mm. right? Right. Yeah. So a lot of our focus, as always, is on making sure discovery is there with with two hundred thousand oh, products. Yeah, I mean, that, like that could be a challenge. How do we yeah, help people yeah. find the product they want? Uh, we have interesting discussions about how do you categorize role playing game titles? Like, do we break them into game master books and player books? Yeah. Well, what about GM list games then? And and yeah. you know, these are the kind of conversations we get to have about these sorts of yeah. things. I suppose um, on the other side is you've got to watch out because some publishers will just categorize things yes. by clicking as many boxes as they can to make it your yes. their thing appear as often as they can which must exactly. be must be a challenge from your end as well absolutely it's it's mm. one of our biggest challenges actually is because yeah. i mean we try to put a lot of power into publishers hands yeah. and a lot of yeah. it's a high trust relationship where it's like the publisher when they load up their title they self-select I think this title belongs in these categories yeah, yeah. of, you know, high fantasy genre and this, this, and the other. And there are publishers who will just spam categories mm-hmm. because they feel like it'll get their, their product more views. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're, you know, we're policing that constantly, um, punishing some bad offenders. I hate to use the word punishment, <laughs> but that's essentially what it boils down yeah. to. You know, there's a few things we audit the site for, like publishers reviewing their own titles, um, and publishers spamming categories and things like that, mm. which, which just degrade the experience then for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I, I, I got a bit from my point of view because I'm fairly diligent about that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. but when other people are doing it, Yes, exactly. As well, like, so, well, if everybody's cheating on their tax return, yeah, then yeah. why am I the? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You get into but, that sort of. Mm. But uh, and then we're also considering ways to maybe crowdsource that. That's where, an interesting idea. Uh, yeah, we, where we ask the actual customers, you know, does this product really belong in high fantasy? But then, of course, you get people not. crowd bombing it, and uh, that's <laughs> right. That's the trouble right. that Rotten Tomatoes and places like oh. that have run into recently. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's review bombing. Review bombing, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. review bombing. Yes, yeah. 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 Yep. I mean, do, you, do you get any of that so, at all? In the because you've got reviews in there. We do. You do get that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have had customers before. Like you've got a page on site under your account page where you can go and see every product oh. you've you've ordered that you have not yet reviewed, mm-hmm. and you can just kind of mm-hmm. go through and leave reviews or ratings. Oh. So people can just leave a one to five star rating, mm-hmm. or they can also write a text mm-hmm. review. And yeah. we try to encourage the full text reviews in many different ways, oh, yeah, but. Yeah. A lot of people just want to rate it quickly. Yeah, yeah. So we've yeah. had 
we've had people go in and just like one 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 <laughs> right right down Ooh. the line, uh, and so then you know we respond by coding something around that. Oh, you've left this many one star reviews today. How about you? Wait and do more tomorrow if this is really what you want to do. Maybe, maybe you mm-hmm. just don't like PDFs. <laughs> yes, maybe, maybe, maybe RPGs aren't for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've ordered uh, every mean, one of these publishers free PDFs and given them all one star ratings. Let uh, me think about what you're trying to yeah, accomplish here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But that sort of so, stuff's going to be hard to mm. police as well because on the, on the one side, sometimes statistically you'll get people doing something like that and the Mm-hmm. So the likelihood of that being their honest opinion on those products is yeah. low, yes. but it's not impossible. Yeah. So I well, this actually this this was on top of my mind because one of the things we do is we review feedback we get from customers, yeah. and um, one of the customers wrote in complaining that we were throttling the number of one star reviews they could leave in <laughs> in a day, and it's like this you're you're subverting your whole review and system. You're you know whatever. Yeah. And, and I'm like yeah. well, mm. all right, okay. Well, how many how many yeah. one star reviews can I leave in a day? Just out of interest. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I just I just gotta I just gotta organize my schedule. <laughs> yes. yeah. Put it on well, a recurring reminder. Yeah. yeah. But, but whilst we yeah. talk about one star reviews, I mean, I think there have been some times when you've had to make some, like from a commercial point of view, extremely difficult decisions. Like, mm-hmm. say, I won't name any names here. Say there is a a game that's associated with someone who's become well known for being controversial yes and right you have to take you have to decide what you're going to do i mean yeah like the easy choice is to do nothing right mm. no exactly uh, well there is no easy choice mm. i think peter but um mm. there really isn't um and that's been okay. some of our biggest it's the part of the business that i actually mm. dislike the most mm-hmm. um having mm-hmm. when 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 i when my brother and i started white wolf and we lived in the bible belt of the u.s the time mm-hmm. and we took an early issue of our magazine which had a medusa face on the cover to a local printer to be printed we yeah. came back two weeks later to pick up our copies and mm-hmm. he's like uh i'm a christian i don't print this sort of you know right, right, yeah. witchcraft whatever and we're like right. okay fine whatever um mm. It's actually Greek mythology, but okay, well, you know. Um, and, uh, and then all through White Wolf, I mean, White Wolf pushed some boundaries for a lot of people mm-hmm. in the traditional. I mean, these days you'd be like, well, you know, we put out a clan book that had the word fuck in it. And it's like, well, these days in RPGs, like whatever, mm-hmm. right? Right, like, right. Yeah. In that at day, the time, that's at the time, it pick, was yeah. quite something. And then we... Kept pushing the boundary, but anyway, the, uh, it's it's the nature of artists to be controversial. Well, of course, and and, yeah, and also yeah. just like not everybody want at the time D and D was going very, you know, no more devils and demons, and second edition mm-hmm. phase was in full gear of sort of I don't know, just uh, whitewashing yeah, or, yeah. or toning down yeah. the the thing, and we were going sort of the other direction and saying, well, adults play role-playing games too, so how about, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. content that adults don't mind interacting with? Yeah. Um, but now I'm in a position with drive through and we're in a business as a, we're in the business of trying to host anybody's role-playing game, mm-hmm. and, yes. and where do you draw the line for what content and what kind of um, is acceptable or not, mm-hmm. and... Yeah, yeah. And and then there's always the question of well who do you want to work with? Well, yeah, there, but, uh, there's, from my point of view, is who do you want to do business with? You yes. know, if you don't, yeah. if I don't want to do business with someone. Yeah, you know, but right. that, yeah. Yeah, that runs into a minefield, I guess. But um, it, it can. on one yeah. side, 
Well, people, people on both sides of the uh, the equation are going yeah. to have problems with you, whatever you decide, aren't they? It's gonna- that's right. You, and you'll never please everybody, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And you won't please almost anyone on Twitter. And <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think it's possible to please anyone on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I, I, I've looked into it, and it's, yeah, <laughs> right. there's a lot of people who get very angry about some very strange things. Yes. Um, but, yeah. But we've just tried to find the right path for... for yes. Allowing the most kinds of content. It's pretty rarely, though, I think, isn't it? It's only like a couple of times, isn't it? That you've it's had only to- really come up a couple yeah. of times, mm. which is a credit. I mean, if we have 200,000 products and it's only come up yes. a couple of times, yeah. it's really a credit yeah. to the gaming community, I think, that, yeah. that it's not an issue more frequently. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times when it is an issue, it's an issue that mm. people, honestly, more outside the hobby are making into an mm. issue that. Than, than inside yeah. the hobby, it seems to Especially me. when um, these things come up and these things do happen, however infrequently, I guess, I mean, is, 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 are these sort of things things that tend to sort of end up on your doorstep personally? Do you make that sort of final call? Or? Well, mm. um, we discuss it heavily yeah. as a team. I mean, mm. uh, we get lots of different perspectives on it. And um, right. and we've got a team internally that is sometimes quite divided on it. Right, right. Mm. Um, and we don't always see eye to eye, but we discuss it and try to get all the viewpoints on the table. And and then if we can come to a consensus, great. Mm. Um, yeah. More often than not, I've been wrong on issues, so I try not to <laughs> just <laughs> impose my my view. But but if I have to, then I then I would. Yeah. So um, mm. yeah, yeah, at some point, I, I I probably err a bit more towards allowing content on site mm. and allowing things yeah. and mm-hmm. um, than not. Right, right. Um, right. Certainly, one of the things that that bothers me the most when these issues pop up or the people that are protesting a piece of content and have never even mm. read it. Right, right, yeah. Yes, and that yeah. strikes me as quite problematic. But mm. You'd like people to speak from a place of informed. That's it. On the other hand, I, it's hard to expect someone to support a title that mm. on the surface looks problematic to them, so why would I want to yes. pay a dollar or five dollars to support yeah. this creator right, right. buy it to yeah. read it to more accurately judge it i, mm. yeah. I get that it's a bit of a conundrum yeah, as yeah, well yeah, yeah. Uh, and again there are things like guidelines like what gets judged as being okay in terms of sex and sexuality mm-hmm. like what can you have as cover arts like some things yep. might be very male gazy and things which are less traditionally male gazy but which appeal to other audiences like a yep. lot of new writers and creators are queer for want of a better word uh just to like it has a sort of umbrella term like part of that lgbtq plus community um uh, it's like some of them have felt that their uh products have been like you know that then they've not been okay when they can see other people have done stuff i know our i know uh drive for rpg has changed its guidelines and that sort of thing over the past couple of years so you know it's, it, it's pretty interesting but it does seem like there's some very tough decisions that you've got to make. Yeah, I, I think so. For example, we don't allow any um, f- photographic art of mm. of nudity in right. general. Um, yeah. And that's because we've run into problems with... We, we had a publisher provide a title to the site. And mm-hmm. um, we had some issues with it, and the the mm. creator was like, "Well, it's age of consent in Japan mm. is this versus." And we're like, "Well, we sell worldwide, so yes. we, you know, yeah. we can't uh, mm. be doing this." And so there's all kinds of issues, but I think that uh, we try to, you know, I, I at least would like to err towards being 
inclusive of all kinds of content. Yes. Yes. And, um, and sometimes the, the problematic end for us is also yeah. when a publisher or creator feels that they will get more notice to their title if they create controversy around it. Well, sadly, that's so usually a, true. So, it, unfortunately, yeah. it is usually yeah. true. Anytime yeah. there's a controversy, sales of that title spike mm. because everybody's talking yeah. about it. And yeah. it's not always a title that you'd like to see sales spiking on. Right, right. I made the mistake once, though, of suggesting publicly mm-hmm. maybe you don't want to, you know, have because you're really just helping this thing. And, and then I was like, you know, that wasn't taken the right way. Right, so, right. or the way I intended it. Um, so it's, mm. uh, but, but we get people who are sort of repeat offenders who feel like mm. if they put out something that's, they can create some controversy around, then they'll get more notice mm. their title. Um, mm. but that's just not, you know, it's, it's yeah. not a great I'm way to do like, business. Go back so. in time. I mm. remember when I first signed up, as a publisher to the site and obviously this is so long ago I just literally can't remember what the process was or what the onboarding process was I mean is, is, there, is there a vetting process at the first stage I, mean, I assume there was at the time I just don't remember it but was there right. like a so we get about 50 new publisher accounts to the site each yeah. week we have uh, 17,000 publishers with an active title that's a lot 17,000 yeah. publishers and then if on once, top if of once that, you told we have, me that the market for for buying PDFs online was seventeen thousand customers, I'd have been amazed. And on top of that, now there's there's uh, over nine thousand people who have created something for a community content program like. Oh, that's not even counting them, and, and right? Others. So we're talking mm, like nearly exactly. thirty thousand, right? Okay. Yeah, we're, we're approaching. I, I imagine there's probably a bit of overlap, yeah, but maybe not as much. Yes, yeah. there are. Yeah, there is yeah. some overlap. That's true, Peter. So um, mm. some of those count twice. Then, but. Um, there's a lot of people and yeah. and over time we've adjusted and modified how they on ramp so to speak yeah. how they Ooh. so if you're a new publisher on drive through rpg you go through a verification process so you join and you submit your first title mm. and then an actual mm. live human being looks at your first right, title right, listing right. before okay. it Ooh. goes on to the market okay. um, oddly on dm's guild that's not the case you can come as a creator upload a title and it'll go mm. live on site immediately right. Um, but it'll come right down immediately to you. If you're doing Harry Potter meets, uh, you know, uh, whatever. So that's, that's the current process and it'll probably change again over time. I I can't remember whether that was the case at the time or not, but. Yeah, well, we used to not have any verification for new publishers. Oh, right, probably then, um, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So it was probably like that when you. So on the whole DM's guild side, how much sort of oversight does Wizards of the Coast have in the sort of day to day monitoring of titles or looking at them or possibly saying this one's problematic or this one isn't or this one? Is- right, almost none. No? Almost oh. none. Yeah, our staff administer the site and and help manage that. Yeah. And honestly, the DM's Guild community mm. is wonderful. Yeah, and yeah. so our, our staff. Uh, our folks, our team will wake up and they'll be mm. like, oh, you know, several reports of yeah. of this yeah. title that had, um, you know, what League of Legends artwork on the cover yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah, it would yeah. be. Oh, and yeah. and then we just take it right down. Yeah. So yeah. Um, those sorts of things, the community actually helps police right, quite a bit, right. and, which is yeah. nice. I do yeah. kind of feel like the community on DM's Guild feels... I don't know if tighter is the right word, but it feels mm. to me a little tighter than the community on of, of publishers in general 
Yes. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's just more of a community, I suppose, in a way. I believe so, because I think a lot Mm. of creators there are – they've been coming into it and starting to create and publish their first role-playing game more or less around the same time. So, there's a bit of support community to – as they help each other figure out the ropes of how to do that Mm. best. Um, Mm. And it's also a very tightly focused thing on this particular game and and site and program and – um, so it's, I guess it's kind of yeah, more individual focused than company focused as well, isn't it? So that would, that exactly. would affect that. Yes. Right. I'm going to follow this mm. author's work rather than this yeah, company's yeah, work. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah that's that, that sort of puts me in mind of like another area where I have an absolutely massive library of things that I have, be- that I've acquired, but I've barely scratched at, yes. which is of course Steam. Um, and yes. they have like these curator queues, which are like people, Various users, I'm not entirely sure how they pick yeah. them, suggest and say, oh, well, you like this sort of game. These are the sort of games that I like and that you maybe like as well. Is that something that would work at all in your model? Or? Well, we're actually, yes, now that you say that, we're um, <laughs> uh, one of the, it won't be in the next update of the app that we do, but. I mean, not unlike, you you know, if you use Steam, you're not only shopping on the web store, but you you yes. have a client that's kind of helping you manage the content mm. you purchased. And mm-hmm. in the same way, we, we found that we're doing a client now that helps people manage Ooh. this content, yeah. right, and, and sort it on their computer and whatever. Um, so one of the things that we do then naturally, an outgrowth of that, is that you can start creating collections, and that'll be a feature that comes up in, in the mm-hmm. next iteration of the app to come would be, okay, I have... This is my weekly, you know, uh, awfully cheerful engine game. I'm going to yes. curate the titles in my library that I need oh. for this this night's game, mm. and that'll be a separate right, collection that right, I can right. easily yeah. bring up yeah, at yeah. any time. And or, or or even just be able to say, well, I've downloaded all these maps. Yep. I don't need to download them again. That that would help me out. Yeah. <laughs> that, there you go. <laughs> so go, go grab our client and. Um, yeah. And you'll get it all, and then you can sort them just uh, as you please. Tell you one thing I've used Joyfu before in the past, which I haven't done in a number of years now, but with a couple of adventure paths we did, we did subscriptions. But they weren't really subscriptions, because we Mm. kind of had to use the Mm. functionality that Joyfu RPG had at the time. So we'd we'd just take a sort of $99 payment and say, you'll get this entire adventure path over the next couple of years. So I guess it's kind of a Mm. proto-subscription sort of thing. A bit, anyway, yeah. yes. Is it, have you ever yeah. given any thought to subscription models on Drive Fix? I think uh, that's something right. I would make use of, definitely. Yes. So there's um, that particular subscription tool you're talking about is something mm. that James had started at RPG Now, yeah. and then when we merged it, that that functionality came in. Yeah. Um, but it, it was something that not a lot of publishers used and mm. was a bit difficult to support. The the challenges we have with this is that we don't we don't want to put ourselves in the place of being like a Kickstarter where people are giving money and then the content provider may or may not ever deliver the content. Right, so yes, not yeah. that you would ever leave your subscribers holding yeah, the bag, yeah. Russ, but okay. but there are we have to account for who's using this oh, tool sure, yeah, and, and yeah. are they going to just collect a bunch of money and leave? Um, and that sort of thing. And then we have customers coming and asking us for refunds and and we want to keep that customer buying everybody's content. So that's a little bit of a challenge for us. Um, we prefer like a model where you, we have a big bundle Mm -hmm. and then a a new title gets added to the bundle. And so Mm -hmm. if you've got a bundle of four titles that are all in the same game product line and somebody's bought Mm -hmm. that, all those titles before, 
Hmm. When you add a new title to the bundle, they'll only pay the price of the new title right. Uh, right, right. to get it all. So it's just a slightly better way, yeah. perhaps. You're, so you're not double it. buying stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, you're never, Makes sense. Yeah, never yeah. double buying it. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I do notice that they update as well. So that is quite good. Yes. Like, I've seen with yep. I mean, that's typos. actually something I wish <laughs> our publishers would take more advantage of, Peter, because, um, yeah. yeah, a lot of times publishers will update a file, but they won't even use the little I'm, – I'm, I was discussing mm. with our staff, we need to make it mm. mandatory that the publisher fills in the mm. reason they're updating the file and, like, don't yeah. let them off the page until they've oh, filled yeah. something. No, so I, was just, I was trying to think what you meant there for a second. Yeah, it's a little bit yeah, that there has been an update to this title, and there's some default text in there, isn't there? And, and yes, publishers probably there's use, default text. Publishers and, probably use that. And, yeah. Yeah. and then the customer's like, well, do I bother downloading this? This update or not? Yeah, yeah. And, just take out the know. default text and don't oh. let the don't let the page go through unless there's something uh, in there. That, that's that's right. solve the problem. So I, think. I think that's our next yeah. step. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Or, but, or, may, or maybe to make it life easier for the publishers, just say various typos. Yeah, or here's your so I can say what five pre-filled reasons, in. and then yeah, you, yeah. or an open response. There you go. You're yeah. you're you're a good user interface designer, Peter. You can send you can send your invoice in later. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> it's all right. That was one thing. The first, so the first one's the benefit. <laughs> <laughs> but what I, I really love the titles that a publisher releases yeah. and then mm. continually updates. And this happens a lot on DMs Guild, actually, where, where mm. the initial title is released. There's lots of discussion about the title. Mm. And people in the community are suggesting anything from typo corrections to rule modifications to yeah. things that are imbalanced. See, I wouldn't and, want to do that because I personally, and I can't speak for anybody else, I would feel like mm-hmm. I'm not releasing a final product and I'm releasing a, yes. I'm releasing a, a beta, a beta a and people are beta yeah. testing it yes. and I'm updating it, which is yep. a different, which is a fine thing to do. You can do it and video game companies do it all the time and fine. Right. If you want to yeah. do that, but yep. personally, I don't think I'd be comfortable with it myself. Uh, yes. I think it's a different different set of people though yeah. because everyone is a publisher. I guess you're really clear that publisher. it's a beta and people mm-hmm. are buying into that mm. fact I guess yeah. that's right yeah, yeah. because I mean, no matter how much playtesting you do as a publisher it's just you're never going to playtest you know with hundreds yeah, yeah, of groups yeah. yes. and then once that playtest feedback broadly comes in you have an opportunity to make some improvements. Yeah, if I mean, we're, we're doing a, a public playtest program for something at the moment, which has got mm. like thousands of people doing it. And awesome. The, mm. the, the, the problem is the, the feedback you get is very much mm. the data. Yeah, but it's also There's from people who play in a manner that you didn't even, it didn't even occur to you that yes. someone mm. might take your yeah. game and do this with it. And right. then you yeah. have to incorporate yeah. that into your design because you would understand there's a whole bunch of people that yeah. will do that. Yeah. And I have to accommodate that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Right. And, and, you know, any particular game isn't going to be everything to everybody. Yeah. I yeah. think one of the, oh, yeah, yeah. we were talking earlier about how the hobby's expanding mm-hmm. and certainly D and D five is a big part of that, but mm-hmm. just the actual art form has come so far in the 30 plus years that I've mm. been involved with it professionally that, yeah, you, yeah. you have these amazing, like, like the, you know, you've probably heard of the game Dread, where it's, mm-hmm. you love have it. the Jenga love Tower, yes. and, yeah. right? Like things like that that are just like really novel, and then the GMless mm-hmm. games, and the um, there's so many ways this hobby is yeah. going to different or, genres. Or Dread, and, Dread is yeah. one of those examples of a game where the system matches mm-hmm. the genre perfectly. Because yes. I know people say it doesn't. Right. System mm-hmm. doesn't matter. You can make D and D do anything or whatever. But you cannot right. get that sense of tension that you get with Dread without a Jenga, Jenga tower. No. 
Right. The system right. really yeah. matters and it really palpably yes. affects the room. I, I, yeah. and, and like different GMs will take it and do something useful. Yeah. I played in a Halloween game where we had to basically have the choice of either having, we were playing in the dark and we had to, we could either switch our torches on, which meant the killer was more likely to kill the finest, <laughs> or we had to pull Jenga tiles in the dark. I have to say, I completely overestimated my skills there, Jenga pulling, but that was on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I yeah. can't even pull them in the light, let alone the dark. I'm so <laughs> mad. <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I think the hobby is just mm. as an art form, and I and I love yes. having a vantage point to see mm. a lot of this stuff come through mm. in all the different ways the hobby's advancing. So what do you think? That, do you think that's uh, partly yeah. due to the the growing diversity of the hobby? So when you get different sure. types of people mm. starting to create, mm. you end up with totally different Absolutely. approaches to design. Yeah. And yes, then of course yes. all that cross pollinates and stuff, and the whole the whole hobby evolves. Yes. On mass. Yeah. Uh, um, exactly. Um, I mean, uh, that sort of brings me back to where I was sort of headed with the um, the front page thing. Yes. Uh, like, obviously, commercial, you're a commercial business, you're there to make money, you're there to yep. sell PDFs. But had you considered, like, maybe like a slot or two for different games, ones that are just like. Yeah. Like uh, so almost an editor's pick, right? Although that's obviously like a exactly right Sisyphean. Well, task. we we did actually just that. We started a staff's pick program mm. about a yeah, year ago now, um, partly to help highlight some titles that we think are just really cool. And then you get um, chat with that by people who never get picked, don't you? Presumably, <laughs> I know. Yes, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. another one of those kind of other hundred ninety nine thousand titles that we didn't yeah, get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, we've got to find those sorts of ways to, to highlight mm. those types of mm. things and bring them to more people's attention. We're doing a whole program now with like uh, changing over our recommender system to a oh. big, better neural net um, yeah. sort of, well, I don't know. you know, Netflix machine Netflix learning is really thing. bad at it for me, so I don't know how good that's going to be. <laughs> and Amazon's even worse. Yes, exactly. Oh, okay. How many how many barbecues does it think I want to buy? <laughs> yeah, I am an avid barbecue collector. I mean, <laughs> uh, okay, okay, yeah. I, I mean, for me, it's like, well, I, I mean, he's recommended me a load of books. I mean, I wouldn't buy one more oh. books. I just, but no, no, that makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think my, my yeah. favorite thing about choice yeah. series. Because because it's so successful and it's kind of a victim of its own success in this sense mm. because it's so busy and because you've got <laughs> as you say seventeen thousand publishers uploading over yeah, fifty yeah. odd t- titles two, a day two hundred over two hundred thousand you are you are on the you're on the first page and then seven minutes later you've disappeared you're gone well I guess it's six hundred titles a week yeah. so it's almost a hundred titles a day yeah. Now that's yeah. across all marketplaces, but it's still so that's got to be a challenge as well. Then, so highlighting new products when you've got yep. so many new products is going to be really, really difficult to do. I, I can't yes. even think how so to approach that. My my advice yeah. to any new publisher or creator is is mm-hmm. to make sure one do your first product very mm-hmm. small. Um, yeah. so that you just get your feet wet with the process of publishing anything, mm-hmm. and um, and two make sure you're probably trying to go really narrow with, with what right, you're trying yeah, to yeah. do yeah. and find Re- really some focus. niche. Give yourself a niche, basically. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, uh, it's like it might be an idea to do your first product has this absolute world-spanning colossus where you've mm-hmm. written a complete system and yes. setting and everything. And it's like going to be a massive book. 
But if no one's ever heard of it, you're going to have to charge like, what, $50 for it? Yeah. It's like $50. I don't right. know it's, it is. it's difficult if you haven't got a platform already to advertise it, isn't it? So, yes. Which is precisely where what Steve is yeah. saying comes in, which is where you put out things, you can see the quality of the work. Yes. And it's like you build up like an mm. audience. In much the same way as you've been doing with your quick starters. Right. Like yeah. people have been like saying, oh, this is really good. And, and then that means that they want to get it. It's like, it's almost like leaving a trail of breadcrumbs almost, mm. it feels. Is that, is that what you're getting at, Steve? Yes, a bit. And, yeah. and, uh, mm. be, it's also, so one thing is, yes, people aren't mm. going to take the risk on you with, with a $50 product if you're coming out yeah. of nowhere. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you're less, less likely to. The other mm. thing is that people underestimate how many different skill sets it really takes to, to be a publisher. Mm. And yeah. so, if you just have a, a knack for writing, that's, that's great, not really being a publisher. It's a different skill, isn't no. it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. You, you need the visuals. You need a little bit of business acumen. You need some marketing, yeah. and, and yeah. you have to put and all project these, management. People I think, guess, well, I, I want to write something. It's like you have to be a good project mm. manager because unless you're doing yes. it all yourself, right? Yeah. You're, you're marshaling a group of people. There was something I didn't yes. yeah. ask you actually. I don't know if you have this figured out. Mm. Um, do you have any idea what the average number of products per publisher is on the site? Because I know how many mm-hmm. I've got on there roughly, and it's like in the right. region of six or seven hundred. It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous number. And I was just thinking, right, mm-hmm. right. that can't be typical. No, definitely mm-hmm. not. I mean, we could just take the two hundred thousand active titles, public titles. Right, right. I mean, we have we have way more titles mm-hmm. that are private, mm-hmm. by the way. But um, oh. 200, we have over 300,000 total title listings, mm-hmm. but a lot of those yeah. are, are left well, private. I've got about two dozen uh, private, just on, just on my yeah, presentation. Yeah, so 200,000 divided by 17. For, for people like who don't know what you're talking about, including me, yep. what's a private title? Oh. Just one that's not available for sale. So oh, okay. Right. It, it's in the system, but someone yes. can't come along and buy yeah. it. Right. But it's there. Right. Oh, okay. Exactly. Can, can, they can't, they can't yeah. even see it. Or... Can't even see it. So, oh. for example, oh, yeah. when oh. if if Russ is doing Kickstarter and yes. has the title ready, well, that's going to go out to oh. backers yeah. first. Yeah, so, so it's on, so before. it's set on private for about two months, and then you oh. hit the, the button to make it live. Oh. Uh, Wait, yep. thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Because you want to get all this stuff yeah. done in advance. You don't want to be doing it at the last minute. So basically, when I <laughs> when I launch a Kickstarter, the product is on. It's yeah. not only on Drive Through RPG. I've also had the proof oh. copies through. Held them in my hands. I said, right, I've got it in my hand. Yes. I now feel comfortable launching this Kickstarter, which is basically yeah. my ooh, ooh, philosophy. For uh, that's a very that's sound, conservative approach. So I, I yeah. applaud you for Yeah, that. I mean, it's worked for me yeah. because people, over time, they realize that your Kickstarters are delivering really, really quickly every single time. Yes. And then when you yes. launch another yes. one just two weeks later, they're like, okay, but I did get the last one within two weeks. And, and right. it builds, and it builds, and it builds. Yes. Um, exactly. Yeah, that's important too. So, um, so yeah. So if we, what would that be? Two hundred thousand divided by two seventeen. That would be about. Um, uh, Call it twelve by twenty. Twelve so or so. Twelve titles. Oh, average, okay, okay, yeah. Sorry for, yeah, I'm way above five hundred. You're, yeah. you're definitely uh, in the <laughs> couple. But, but I have been doing it for like nearly twenty years, or how long you've been there. So. <laughs> I, I was one of the uh, first. Ian publishing Ooh. was one of the very yeah, first. Yeah, RPG now. I think it was Monty Ooh. Cook, uh, a couple yep. of others, and we were right there, right at the start. I think exactly. God, yeah. It's going back a long time. So it's yes, Ooh. it is. Ooh. I, I, I've got a question, and you may not know the answer. And it's okay if you don't. But fact, what one of the things which is always a head scratcher is pay what you want yes. versus uh, either a one dollar or mm-hmm. even a five dollar title. Yes, like right. 
What are your thoughts on this? Well, an interesting way to relate that is when DMs mm. Guild first launched, there was mm-hmm. a real wave of pay-what-you-want mm-hmm. titles. Mm. And a lot of uh, creators were doing that as their choice to, mm-hmm. to price them, pay what you want. And then yeah. over time, they started mm-hmm. to realize that they're just – they're not really getting the uh, the best remuneration for their yeah. work. Yeah. And, they're, yeah. and, and so, they started to change over to a fixed price. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pay what you want, I think, has a very specific – place in them in in somebody's strategy in the for, yeah, yeah. for a product okay. mix um mm-hmm. but it's not going to be everybody's most common choice mm-hmm. um certainly yeah. there there are a lot of people who just treat it as a free title and yeah i'm not experimenting i dabbled with it a bit and not yeah. had good results so no kind of yeah. so oh, if, you, oh, oh. if there's a title that is mostly mm-hmm. for marketing purposes mm-hmm. but you you will get some people supporting that effort, then mm-hmm. it's a good choice. But yeah. normally it's probably better to go free or a fixed yeah. price. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. So either go free or put yes. a fixed but low price. Right. And that, we, that, we continue mm-hmm. to experiment a lot with everything. Mm-hmm. This is a lot. I mean, when you talk about e-commerce sites, you talk about A-B testing, yeah, yeah. if you're familiar with mm-hmm. that, where you show yeah, yeah. two different versions and and so we do a lot of testing around things like well how do we present pay what you want titles to mm-hmm. communicate as clearly as possible that you know it'd be really mm-hmm. nice if you supported this publisher with more than zero dollars mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah um and that helps but it doesn't radically turn the dial i wonder if no matter how oh, yeah, I wonder if just changing the terminology from pay what you want which kind of half yes. says pay nothing for me to uh, support right. this mm-hmm. publisher or something or well, and, and we use support this publisher as sort of placeholder text for for what where you enter yeah. your amount. And we're like with the new site design, we've we've just recently spent a lot of time designing the pay what you want look for that site. Yeah. And we're going with some radio buttons so you can more easily select some different fixed price contributions. Mm-hmm. It'll default to whatever the publisher's recommended contribution yeah. price mm-hmm. is instead of I mean, it does, you know, it does work in some trade. If you look at Patreon, mm-hmm. for example, which is kind of a pay-what-you-want mm-hmm. subscription system for yeah. a lot of people. It mm-hmm. does work. Well, just yeah. even on Patreon, Russ, it seems like people have a fixed amount that they're going to contribute every time. Usually, there, yeah. it's like the concept of anchoring. I feel comes into place, uh, which is where you would say you should pay ten dollars for this title, and so yeah, like, well, we yeah. pay more than five dollars, and it's like okay, we can yeah, pay five dollars. This dollar is worth ten dollars. How much do you want to pay? Is a little different than just right. saying yeah. how much you want to pay. Because if you just go to be how much you want to pay, exactly. I say nothing. Mm-hmm. If you say this dollar is <laughs> this is worth ten dollars, how much do you want to pay? I'll go five because you started five? me at ten. Yeah, five dollar. Right, but if you start price at five, right, end up yeah, at one, yeah. zero, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're also considering um, doing something mm-hmm. where there is a floor where mm-hmm. you have to pay at least five dollars, yeah. but you can choose to pay yeah, more yeah. Uh, and contribute mm-hmm. and support yeah, the publisher. Yeah. The, okay. Again, the terminology. Then do you have pay what you want and pay what you want, but at least this, and then uh, fixed yeah. price. And yeah. so we want to make sure that it stays clear to the customer too, what's what's yeah. what's what. Yeah, uh, sort of a bit like almost the kickstarter the stretch goals. Like, you know, you, you, you pay this much right. for this product, but you can unlock sort of like, not More. DLC, but yep. <laughs> that right. sort of like extra content. Or yeah. it's another oh, place that some, huh. some publishers and creators use the file update hmm. yeah. system is that they will... Oh update their product listing periodically to say, okay, I need this many more buyers and then I'll be adding this extra chapter Mm. or appendix of content. Yeah, Um, yeah. And it becomes a bit like a stretch goal. Yeah, what was the name of the guy uh, that you really liked that did 
Well, he was here talking about Morkborg and his project, and basically oh, really? he was yeah, doing yeah. that. Yep. Yeah. 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 Hopefully. Stay on so, this pricing concept, though. So, uh, yeah. mm. pay, pay what you want is one thing, but is there, have you got mm. any sort of, as someone whose primary, primary business is selling role playing games and role playing game software, yeah. have you got any thoughts on, because you leave, you leave the pricing in the hands of the publishers that you can, mm. you can charge what you want, but have you got any thoughts on what, you know, do, do, do publishers tend to undervalue their work? Do they tend to, because I, mm. I get a sense that people do, but. Yes. Mm. Right. Yes, I'd say in general that's true. Mm. We have released a couple of blogs, mm. so mm. we have a one blog shelf if you want to. Uh, and we have <laughs> yeah. historically put out a couple yeah. of blog posts about, and it's mostly focused for publishers and people who want to get into publishing. Okay. Um, mm. And I should, if I can, I'll plug also. We've we've recently started a Twitch channel, so Twitch TV slash One Bookshelf, mm. which oh. uh, has uh, airs every Thursday and has good content okay. now for for sort of publisher one hundred and one stuff. Um, right. And, okay. and among the topics we'd like to talk about are our price as, as yeah. Yeah, pedestrian as that sounds yeah. to yeah. the creative right. soul. Um, well, I, think, the, uh, I think this is kind important. of two, it's a two pronged thing though. It's if you, mm. t- for, for start, if you start charging low, you're normalizing low prices and then customers get used to those mm-hmm. prices. And then when someone charges yes. what re- no. honestly is a real realistic price for their work. Yes. Yeah. Right. The customers what's going put off by that because they they perceive that as being mm. too high when it's not. Right. Mm-mm. So I think that's right. a problem. Yeah. yeah, it is. So generally, we found that there's certain price points that are attractive. Mm. Um, so, for mm-hmm. example, there's almost no reason to charge one dollar. You might as well charge dollar ninety nine or two dollars yeah. for okay. for even for a very small work. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you probably want to jump up to the five dollar mm. point. Um, okay. After you go above $20, we don't have as mm-hmm. many data points because mm-hmm. there's not that no. many titles that sell uh, okay. above that. But it seems like your total revenue will start to flat curve. So you, if you start pricing it mm-hmm. above $20, mm-hmm. you might find similar total revenue, but you're selling to fewer people at a higher mm-hmm. price. Um, so there's a bit okay. of a consideration there around exceeding that price point. So the current cap is realistically twenty dollars. Yes, but you know, that, I mean, you could go up, obviously. And, and but... Monty Cook, for as one yeah. example, I mean, they put um, out some fantastic mm. work that has just a lot yeah. of heart and soul and time and money put yeah, into yeah. it, and and they charge appropriately for that. Yeah. It feels like they're positioning themselves as a premium brand. Yeah, it's a premium, premium brand, product. Premium prices, and they're they're yeah. putting out a for the PDF. They'll charge uh, what customers would see maybe or some will complain is a mm. very high price for a PDF. Mm. And, and mm. I look at it and having been a publisher in the past, I know mm. the blood, sweat, and <laughs> tears that go into creating yeah, something yeah. that nice. And I'm like, you're getting a bargain. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, you, well, you get yeah, a lot of people who different. think if a hardcover costs $40, Mm-hmm. Um, the PDF yeah. should be half that, but you do get some publishers that might charge forty dollars for the PDF as well. Would mm-hmm. you recommend that, mm-hmm. or would you say stick to the the lower point? Right, I think forty is uh, other than for a very few works in the industry. That's that's quite a premium yeah. price, and you're probably going to get better total revenue sure. if you yeah. go lower yeah. than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a publisher, I would rather if I'm going to make say I'm going to make some one thousand dollars selling a PDF. I have a slight preference towards having sold that to more people yes. than fewer fewer people at a I'd rather sell it for more people at a slightly lower price than fewer yeah, people at a yeah. because I'm just building audience that way B- and bigger customer base, yeah. yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. Mm. And then if you produce like another 
a supplement or something, right. that means there are more people who are interested in exactly buying that. Exactly right. Yeah. And then you have a better mm. model going I, forward. So, no but, but in general, it is true that people tend to undervalue mm. their titles. Yes. There, there are exceptions. There are people who come out of nowhere with some title that's priced and they're like, okay, $20 for your 40-page PDF that you're a new publisher. Yeah. And just, yeah. I don't yeah. know yeah. if that's going to work for you. But uh, I mean, if it's, if it's a lot of artwork... Like yes. uh, they're selling, they're selling uh, like a pages of artwork. It's like I, I understand yep. through the education I have received on this podcast yep. that that is actually a really good deal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if it's a lot of art by Claudio, then you know. I mean, yeah, if Claudio Claudio brings out a forty page artwork for twenty dollars, it's like. Bye, yeah, bye, bye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to call up a figure here. I'm just using your um, sales report here. I looked this up the other day and I've forgotten what it was. It was how much oh, money I've okay. made for you ever. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, thank you, Russ. I'll have another cup of coffee now. Right, there we go. So I have sold 90,988 units. Ooh. Gross sales Excellent. is $578,000. Earnings is two hundred ninety-seven. So call, let's call that three hundred. But so I've made you three hundred thousand dollars. No, because you're missing your print cost. Uh, yeah, true, true. The way we work on just for the audience's sake, the way the way things work on drive-through when when a publisher sets up a book for print is that if they charge twenty dollars for that print book and the print cost of that is say. $12 mm. or something, then when that sale transacts, we take the $12 out of the sale and then we split the $8 yeah, yeah. with the publisher. But so, so it sounds better so when I say that. It sounds better when I say that, that I personally made you personally $300,000. <laughs> yes. I wish you had. So let's go with that version. That's a nice house you made. That's a nice But no, I mean, it's exactly. just, just oh, goes to show yeah. that uh, over time, though, it's. It, it does add yes. up, doesn't it? It does add up. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Well, you you could probably uh, reverse engineer your earnings amount there and and do a little yeah. math and say, well, if that's your seventy percent or something, then, yeah. then what was our thirty yeah. percent of that or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I've always been super happy like selling via drive Tell you what, I am also which I love is uh, the customer service contact I've got. Meredith is amazing. Yes. I mean, please tell wow. her I said that. She is amazing. Like, every time I've had to deal with her, and um, yeah. um, there's been you know quite a lot of times over the last God knows how many yeah. years, she's sure. always been really quick yeah. to reply, really professional, really friendly, yeah. fixed yep. the issue or dealt with the issue really quickly. And if it, it's yep. just absolutely yep. perfect. And like A-plus customer well, service. I'll, I'll be sure to let her know or tell her to tune well, in and hear it from <laughs> yeah, me directly. Yeah, yeah it, the, if you're listening, Meredith, exactly. you can totally bring this up in your next performance yeah. review. And also ask Steve for a pay voice as well. <laughs> 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, no, wait he's he's saying it. He's oh, saying oh, it. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Meredith is a gem. She's a yeah, superstar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're very lucky to have her. The the One of the things that we really do focus on a lot is that we have people there to help. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we collect our customers. I, I mean, I'd invite anybody to like go out on Google mm. and Reddit and wherever and say drive through RPG customer service mm. and mm. see what customers say about when they have an experience and contact yeah, our customer yeah. service department because mm. so it was a Sunday and I didn't think anyone would respond and I got a response <laughs> in five minutes and you know yeah. and and to so to agree like we look at ourselves as just sort of a platform we're here to mm. help publishers 
transact. Mm. And one of those is we have a customer service team that's sort of shared among all yeah. publishers in a, yeah. in a weird way. So, which is, you know, running Kickstarters, you know, that dealing with backers mm. is time consuming. It's, it's interesting. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an experience. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yes. A lot of times positive. A lot of times yeah, very positive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lots of happy people. The, the odd times. I think, I, they're, they're I did like, get oh, someone. I think you had some well, complaints I, that they get. They sent you their. You sent them their books. Well, too someone quickly. did do that. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. how dare you find my books? There was one person who so I had a Kickstarter back in like twenty sixteen or something, like five years ago. Yeah. And uh, yes. I sent him like over that time a dozen times. We contacted him asking mm. for his address because obviously Kickstarter doesn't give you yeah. the address. They can't share the you, you can't ship anything yes. to them. So you got the address. Yeah. They have to physically give it to you each yeah. time. So yes. you know mm-hmm. we over over like five years, constantly asking for his address. No reply. Silence. He paid us. You know, yeah. I was thinking, do I refund right. this guy? Right. Do I, what do I do? Like five right. years later, yeah. um, suddenly he gives us his address. <laughs> right. Five years later, and then the very next day, he gives us his address, and like eight hours after giving us his address, starts sending us emails about how long we were taking to ship his books. I was like, what? Oh. I'm not even out of bed yet. He's like, you, know, you do understand that we can see the date that you sent us that address, and it was eight hours ago. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's timestamps on these yeah. things. Yeah, that's, we have a fun, a few funny things like that when you run a site yeah. like ours where, where you see different things. Publishers or customers will tell you one thing and you look at a log and it's like, mm, this isn't matching. Yes. I wonder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. But right. few and far between. We have a lovely hobby and, and a lovely group of people in the hobby. And yes. Yeah. So, uh, and yeah, we have gone, we've, we have gone over as well. So. You should. You should. It was lovely. Be so interesting. Thank you. It's your fault. I mean, (laughs) well, let's hope the listeners think so. E-commerce sites aren't usually the most thrilling things, but but it has given me a nice vantage point on the business. That's uh, and and I feel blessed and lucky that I get to make a professional life out of this business and this hobby and this. I've really really enjoyed talking to you, Steve. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash Morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. No, I think I think that would do it. Run and pull. Okay, let's have a look. I've, I've, I've probably expected something wrong. For, uh, but it is over quite a number of years, it is, isn't it? Mm. This page is taking bloody ages to load. <laughs> it's because it's a really right. long so much history. Yeah, yeah. Our whole site yeah. database load just spikes <laughs> thanks to uh, <laughs> Russ running a report here. 